Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 47 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Uh, first things first, apologies for there being no new episode last week. It's one of those unfortunate incidents where real life gets in the way. Real life annoys me sometimes. Um, but, however, we have an episode for you this week with a great pay-per-view that we're going to look back on with a guest coming on for the second time. I'm overjoyed to welcome... Uh, Joshua Goodwin back to the show after our first conversation about his career. He's going to come back on today and we're going to have a little look back at Judgment Day 2004. Josh, how are we doing, my friend? Hello there. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. A little bit of um, context, I suppose, for everyone, just in case we have any issues. Uh, Gloucester, where I am, has just, for some reason, we're in the middle of what seems like some sort of crazy ass tropical storm. There's thunder, there's lightning, yeah, yeah. there's torrential rain hammering my window as I speak. So if the microphone picks up any of that or we have any technical issues, I, I apologize. But we're going to do our best for you today. Hopefully, everything will be fine. Um, mm. Yeah, Joshua, so what, what's been going on since the last time we spoke, my friend? Oh, what's been going on? Uh, well, just getting back ready for wrestling. At least I was until, um, you know, recently. And then I unfortunately managed to pick up COVID. Um, I'm doing I'm doing fine, everyone. Everyone who's concerned, which is no one because you all hate me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, get, get your jabs in though, kids. It's good for you. Um, but no, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, stuck in this room. So let's, let's talk about some wrestling. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and today we're looking back on Judgment Day 2004. Um, this is a pay-per-view you chose for us to, to sort of review, I guess, for want of a better term. Why exactly, why exactly did this show or, or this time period sort of stand out to you? Well, this was definitely a time when I was still very much a fan. And um, like I didn't know anything much about it. I, again, it was 2004, so it would have been not quite a teenager i think um so i was still very much like sure died in the wolf fan like didn't know anything wasn't on like internet finding out about like all the backstage goth i didn't know who was running it or writing it um i just knew that i liked you know i liked the good guys i didn't like the bad guys and wrestling in its purest form and actually having watched it again it is wrestling that's like executed very well in my opinion i i believe this uh, for the most part this is wrestling done very well and i will i will hopefully hope without boring anyone explain why 
yeah yeah great stuff i mean i i was watching um around this time i was watching everything that that, that the wwe were putting out i couldn't get enough of any form of wrestling at all so uh, all of the tv product all the pay-per-views everything i was watching however when i went back and watched this pay-per-view even though i remember certain moments that we'll get to that are quite i suppose iconic i suppose when you when you look back there are so many other memories and other other people that had completely escaped my memory altogether people i've literally forgotten even existed popping up on this oh. show it really i really enjoyed seeing some of these the these faces that i'd forgotten about yeah there's some definite throwbacks and and here's one of the things that i think i liked about um so i'm I'm fairly sure this was like a Paul Heyman show. Like this was when he was still writing SmackDown. And it's one of the things like if you watch this and then you watch the ECW, you can see like how things carry over, like how storylines interweave and how someone at the tippy top of the card will interact with someone at the very bitty bottom of the card and how it will all lace in and how everything has, um, I believe I mentioned in the first podcast, how everything still has a certain flavor. Like everyone's different, but everyone's still like, everything still kind of feels and tastes the same. Yeah. No, that, that that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of of Heyman as an on screen character, obviously. Uh, yeah. But pretty much everything he has done, I've been a fan of. Uh, ECW was was great on the whole, on 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 the on the, you know, the big picture, I guess. Um, his time running or booking SmackDown was to me hugely entertaining. Uh, his run yeah. as a commentator um, during mm-hmm. the invasion and so on. Um, his his role now alongside Lesnar and and obviously much more recently Roman Reigns um, everything about Heyman I think is is just superb obviously there's plenty of people who disagree with that probably people he owes money to I'd imagine but um, we, uh, yeah we, but we, we're discussing him professionally not personally we don't yeah, know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay so Judgment Day 2004 uh, originally broadcast on May the 16th 2004 it's coming from mm-hmm. the Staples Center in LA, which is a real WWE arena, isn't it? There's been plenty of shows and memories happened in that building. It's funny because they're promoting how um, WrestleMania 21 would be held there, and ha- and think about like how massive WrestleMania is now. It's like it couldn't be held in somewhere that that tiny, but that was a big deal at the time. And it's, it's it's amazing to think how far like the company's come. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the attendance is listed as a sellout of 18,722. And it does a buy rate of just over 230,000 on pay-per-view, which is a pretty respectable number, considering that this is still relatively early days, I suppose, in the whole um, brand extension or brand split where Raw and SmackDown separated off into different rosters and so on. And this is just a a SmackDown show. This is a SmackDown branded uh, event. Um, Looking back then, I suppose, before we get to the event itself, in this era where you had Raw and SmackDown with the different rosters, and and both shows did have, to me, a very different feel. Um, Yeah, they did. Did you have a preference? And if so, why? Yeah, Yeah, I definitely prefer SmackDown. Um, I couldn't necessarily... I mean, for for one, I could actually watch episodes of SmackDown. I watched the bottom line, which was different. Um, but I also feel like, because I think Raw was longer, right? That that sounds right. Raw was longer, like, yeah. was like an hour and a half. That's right, yeah. And so, there's something to be said for like, 
something being like succinct, like tight. I'm trying to think of the word. Um, but yeah, almost of, almost condensed, I suppose. They, they've condensed, got a certain yeah, yeah. Condensed, concise. Concise is the word I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, like for one of the reasons that I think people enjoyed um, NXT when it was an hour long was because you got a lot in a very short space of time, and like the I- the idea of like less actually being more because it's definitely not a situation that we have now. Because like if you watch Raw then or especially now, like it is a three hour show, but it's like maybe an hour and forty five just repeated, right? Whereas with like smackdown or say earlier nxt like it had to be concise there had to be no fat like they had to keep things tight um and so i feel like that actually led to a better product yeah, i agree but, um that kind of go hand in hand potentially with, with overexposure i suppose i mean if you look on yeah. monday night raw at this time uh, and and sort of, sort of 2003 2004 and uh, right this time it seemed like every single episode of Raw would start with a Triple H promo. And mm-hmm. Triple H was in the main event, and he'd be in various segments throughout the show. Um, and he had different challengers during this time period. Of course you did. I mean, Shawn Michaels was a prominent challenger. I mean, I'm fairly certain uh, Chris Benoit is the Raw champion around this time. Um, he is about now, yeah. Yeah, and obviously Orton is involved um, as well. Eugene, my boy Eugene. That's right, there. yeah. <laughs> but again it's it's that thing of they've got so much time to fill uh, it's almost like a, it's almost like a contradiction i guess and it, it applies to now as well i think so much time to fill with such a huge bloated roster because they had a massive it's roster massive. back at this stage it, it's um, a massive roster then it was a ma- it said there's always people who want a job so exactly. <laughs> plenty of wrestlers out there exactly so i don't understand why we end up seeing the same faces every other segment I mean, you get you mentioned there about the show being more concise or, or having to be a bit more streamlined because because of the the shorter length my mind goes back to a little bit further than than nxt to, to the likes of mid-atlantic uh, and jim crockett promotions yeah, uh, and yeah. so on or, mid, or mid-south would build up like, yeah exactly they would exactly. get a lot into 45 minutes of telly and the thing as well is, you wouldn't always see Flair. You wouldn't always no. see Dusty Rhodes. You wouldn't always see the Road Warriors. You would see one of those, maybe. So mm-hmm. then the next week, you're thinking, oh, well, I, I've got to watch next week because I might see Flair. Or I've got to watch next week because I might see mm-hmm. Dusty. Uh, and to me, that that sort of method of television worked really, really well then. And I think, if you, again, if you take NXT as an example that you brought it up, does, it still works now, NXT. yeah. Yeah, NXT, like, I don't know, obviously, I, me and Dave, like, we were massive fans of Revival. So you'd want to watch NXT for them, but they weren't there every week. Exactly. Which was fine, because it meant that, like, because if you do, it's, it's the same as anything. If you see too much of anything, it loses its magic. Like, for example, later on in this show, um, The Undertaker against Booker T, like, this Undertaker hadn't been seen so much since, like, WrestleMania 20, when he'd made his dead man return. And mm-hmm. so the idea of him, like, in this match, they were building it up as it was a big deal. And as I recall, he wasn't on, like, every SmackDown. He was on, I think he was on one and he, like, murdered all three members of the FBI. And then that was it. Like, he, he maybe did some promos with Booker T, building up to it. But, but and as you say, it made it special. I mean, Undertaker, obviously, is special as is. But he's even more special by the fact that you don't see him every day. Yeah, 
Exactly. And again, it comes back to that overexposure, doesn't it? I mean, I, I'm a big, yeah. big believer in the way that the big show was handled was, was quite poorly in his WWE time because he was there every yeah. week. I, I think he should have been almost a special attraction in the way the undertaker was a special attraction. Um, Andre, the giant to a degree was a special attraction. And oh, Andre it was the giant, like for the majority of his career was definitely like a, a special attraction. You wouldn't see him every day. Exactly. So, so it, it, it literally becomes that a special attraction because it's kept special, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Right. Then. So yes, the idea of familiarity breeds contempt, and so like, yeah, Andre's impressive, but if you see him every week, he's less impressive, which is ridiculous because he's still like nineteen foot tall. But <laughs> that's just human nature. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, we start the show with one of the great, typically great, I guess, WWE video package openings. So, I mean. Yeah. I seem to say this on on virtually every pay per view I cover with with whoever my guest is. Um, there, there's not another company that does this better than WWE. Then or now, is there? Mm, not really. I mean, the guy doing it, I think his name was Adam Panucci. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it was him then, or it might have been. It doesn't matter who did it. Well, it does, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, they always nail these things. Um, obviously, actually watching this one, it was left being a little bit uncomfortable because. A lot of it's discussing like what we're how we're remembered after we die, and a lot of the people featured, including Eddie Guerrero, are now no longer with us. So there was just a few bits. It's like, ooh, ooh, that, that ooh. Yeah. Uh, that, again, uh, like, I suppose it's a funny one because it, to me, 2004 seems like yesterday. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's an age thing or whatever, but I, I still think of the 80s as only 20 years ago. So it's, you yeah, know, 2004 to me, it seems like yesterday. But when you think about sure. it, what, what are we on? Like 16, 17 years yeah, away six, from, from lot, this point. A long yeah. time ago, I was, again, I, I was like 11 or 12, and now I'm nearly 30. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah, so. Getting on. Uh, but there's so much in this show that I think makes it seem even older potentially but which we'll come to but there's certain moments in this show that you wouldn't get away with now but i still look at there's this lot, there's, there's a lot of things that we'll get to and we'll say that like i wouldn't necessarily say aged poorly but you couldn't do it now yeah yeah, yeah. exactly i mean I, uh, my wife laughs at me about that sort of thing because i look at I, I i when i talk about modern product i will talk about something 15 years old and the wife will be like well that's yeah, not yeah. That's not modern products, what you want about. But this is the sort of thing I mean. Um, after that great video opening, we get the first look at the entranceway. And this is back when we had unique entranceways to, to most pay-per-views. And th- this one is this one looks great. We've got some cool pyro, some crosses hanging up. Um, it's just, it's just again, uh, something that sets aside the pay-per-view we're watching from just an episode of Raw or SmackDown or, or another pay-per-view, I guess. It is absolutely something that I feel is missing, yeah. And considering how much money WWE have now, the idea that they couldn't throw a little more in making things a little bit more unique, like, you know, you're, it, it, it added a lot, in my opinion. Like, it made every, every paper you've seen different, made it feel special. Um, and, yeah, it just gave everything a different vibe. And, yeah, because now everything's just so, like, you just change the LED logos and uh, mm. it's just not as good yeah i'm not a fan of that myself and some of these sets um some of the more symbolic ones like, like the backlash one with the swinging hooks that they had at one yeah. stage a lot a lot of that's still in the warehouse that they own yeah 
Mm-hmm. You're still in the WWE yeah, cool. warehouse. So it's like it's not even like they have to really splash like masses of this this huge fortune they've amassed. They could easily just bring it back out and, and you know, but there we go. What what do I know? <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, you and me with baby steps, but you and me, let's get it started. Let's bring back the SmackDown fifth. Oh, yes. Well, they did old school SmackDown recently. That was the thing I was looking forward to the most. And it was bloody computer generated, wasn't it? (sighs) Makes me just Why do they just have to take our dreams and just step on them? (laughs) Because Vince McMahon won't let us have nice things. Um, (laughs) Our opening match... (laughs) Our opening match is a tag team contest. We have... Rob Van Dam and Rey Mysterio facing off against the Dudleys. Um, you have to refresh my memory a little bit here, but I think this is the time frame where the Dudleys have parted ways. Uh, Devon has been Reverend Devon and so on, and this is like they've got back together again. Um, yeah, they, they they got back together some time before. Like right. what, I think, like their split was maybe two thousand two. They were back by 03 because the okay. experiment had died. Um, like Reverend Devon was great, Bubba was blah, um, and so they were like, you know what, you know what people liked about the Dudleys, the fact that they were together. Yeah, <laughs> so they went ahead and because they were like a tag team on Raw for a bit, and I think they they just come over because they had like the the big draft where they'd had the, they'd had uh, well Van Dam, Dudley, and um, Booker T. I think were the main get. I think the other thing to try to give it some context is context is that Lesnar had just left and so they were kind of scrambling they were like oh we Mm -hmm. need to do something about the fact that Lesnar's gone which is why in my opinion like I think the first the first original plan was to bring Triple H over and I think that was actually the plan because if you remember there was an episode where he was drafted and then the episode after they're like oh no we've we've rescinded that but here's Booker T Van Damme and the Dudleys yeah he didn't want to work Tuesday nights to the didn't want to um, work no, so he, he um, went and he went and spoke to dear old daddy-in-law and got that changed. I'd imagine, but there we go. We'll <laughs> do evolution, please. Um, but yeah, so there was, uh, and I think what had happened there is the Dudleys had turned. Yeah, they'd they'd, they'd become the bad men again, mm-hmm. and uh, Van Dam Mysterio. I can't remember exactly if Mysterio was just. I think Mysterio was just thrown in there because Van Dam was feuding with. Uh, at least at the time, something to do with Paul Heyman and ECW. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember, um, well, I watched this, and the, the thing that I remember thinking was that the part of the Brain Busters will now be played by the Dudley Boys, because it was like a proper old-school tag match. Um, it was done brilliantly. And as you probably know, I'm quite the fan of tag wrestling, and I know a little bit about it. And I was surprised at how competently, like, it was done in terms of the set. I, there was not much I can remember that I could fault with it. Um, even the start, like, they had the little, like, Van Dam just comes out, like, throwing kicks, and Bubba's, like, backed into the corner and, like, calls the ref over, and it was like, he's armed. Bubba very suddenly yeah. being armed. It was brilliant. Oh. I've got a note here that simply says the heel Dudleys are great because again, it's, it's, it's as and it's the sort of, I suppose for want of a better term, it is, it is kind of tag wrestling paint by numbers, I guess. 
where you have the referee distractions, you have the yeah. the referee misses the baby face tag uh, and all that, all those sort of things, the sort of heat building uh, tools, they, I guess. They, they use the staples. You see, I wouldn't say paint by numbers simply because paint by numbers implies that it's simple, which it is. No, 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 please don't, don't, uh, don't, don't no, misunderstand no, what, me there. It's, what, it's not, what I mean, <laughs> go on eh? That's right. It's, 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 I don't mean it's, it's simple by any stretch of the imagination, because if it was simple, then every tag team would be as good as Arn and Tully. Um, but it's, it, to me, it's something that a lot of teams do, a lot of teams try, um, a lot of tag teams will use, because it is almost like, like you said, a staple part of tag wrestling. But very few can actually do it really, really well, if that makes sense. See, here's the thing. Um, here's what I think about that, is that people... See, they, they, it's monkey see, monkey do, as opposed to monkey see, monkey understand. Um, okay. Like, so, so people will copy Arn and Tully, but they won't necessarily, they, they'll copy the bits that they remember or the bits they like, as opposed to, they won't necessarily understand the ethos that came into it, which was, you know, you work as a team, you succeed as a team, you make the other guys look good, like individually, both individuals would beat you, but it's because you're a team that you're a threat. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the opening bit was just Van Damme just beating up Bubba and, uh, and Devon individually. Like, they couldn't get a move in. Um, and then the cutoff, like the, well, the cutoff, we'll use the, everyone here is probably at least somewhat familiar with wrestling lingo, so I'm going to give up on trying to hide it. Um, <laughs> the, cut-off, the cutoff was just so brilliant in that it was, um, you know, the deadly attempt to, like, I think it was hold. Bubba had Bray in, like, a half full Nelson. Devon runs at him, like, Ray moves out the way, clatters into Bubba, which puts him on the floor. Then um, some other running spot, and because Bubba's already on the floor, he just pulls the rope down and splat goes Bray. Mm-hmm. And, it, again, it's just one of those things that's, like, really simple. Like, it didn't take any... It, it didn't take anything much in terms of planning. It all made sense. Um, it got the Dudleys in control without like having them outshine the baby faces. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was, it's tag wrestling, in my opinion, how tag wrestling is supposed to be done. And I was very surprised by that because I've never really seen the Dudleys and been like massively impressed by their ability to do that. And I don't know if it's just because they decided that day, they're like, we're just going to be the Anderson, we're just going to be the Anderson today. We're just going to be the brain busters. But like, they did it brilliantly. I mean, Bubba even did an arm spinebuster at one point. Yeah, that's that's actually something I also got a note on here saying that his spinebuster on Rey Mysterio is incredible. Um, yeah. There's 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 another mo- a moment as well that I sort of look at and think it was quite unique. I don't remember seeing it before, where mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio is is upside down, tangled in the ropes. His his, his feet are oh, tight, yeah. tangled in the top rope, and he kind of lifts himself up and. Almost gives Bubba Ray Dudley a, a cutter of, of of some description. Yeah, whilst like, he's... A, like a face buster. Then he was stuck, and I, yeah. I think he legitimately was stuck as well. Yeah, and I, I looked at that, and I was like, I don't remember. I, I'm not saying I haven't. Don't get me wrong, but I don't remember seeing that before or since. I thought that was really unique, and it was a lovely, lovely moment in the match. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I remember seeing it before either. Mm. Um, Ray good. does a really cool. Hurricanrana off the top rope as well, which looked great. Uh-huh. Um, Is that the one where Van Dam like boosts him into? Yes, yeah, just gives him like, a little extra yeah. sort of step up, I suppose. <laughs> and and Ray yeah. 
obviously being the smallest man in the match, but with Van Dam to sort of bounce off as well. It, he moves fantastic, doesn't he? Just flies all over the place and oh, yeah. so quick, so like, sharp. Yeah, still very athletically. Like he's still there. Like his knees are, like his knees are still shot to pieces at this point. But they're not as shot as they become, so he can still move very well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that would be my only. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that would be my only real critique, and this is just a personal preference thing. Like, there were times when Rey Mysterio was getting like heat put on him, and he was just a bit too dead for me. Like, it just needs to be a little bit more, just a little bit more fight in him. But I, as you say, he is the smaller guy, so it was fine. Like, it was yeah. fine. But I figure we can't just can't spend all the time just talking about how great everything was. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, for me, for me, this was this was the perfect. Uh, perfect opener, I guess. You had some great wrestling, yeah. some great moments. Um, the, the, both sides, both both tag teams, played their part in firing the crowd up and, and setting them up for the rest of the show. Ultimately, we yeah. have the team of RVD and Mysterio winning after um, RVD hits a frog splash on Devon. I was a little surprised by that. I I, I thought the Dudleys were going to go over as as the established team, but I think didn't Rey Mysterio and RVD go on and have a tag team title run at some stage in the future? I think they may have. I honestly can't remember. I I think in terms of this this show, it was definitely what it needed. Like it needed to have the good guys over uh, to begin with. Um. Mm. I don't think that the Dudleys, as you say, they're an established team, so they don't lose anything by losing. And oftentimes, like people often look at like wins and losses. I look at like you can look at the wins and losses, but like I, I can't remember what happened next week. But you can guarantee that like unless if they still planned on like keeping the feud going, that Bubba and Devon next week went ahead and, you know, kicked ass. I'm pretty sure that um, Bubba and Devon's future involves uh, wrestling The Undertaker because they still the year and, and then they still pull bearer yes i think that comes uh that's the next great 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 american bash i think it's the next one yeah yeah the next pay-per-view i think ends up being a raw only one so the next smackdown one yeah, yeah, yeah. i think you're right there that sort of i mean i think it went on last i think didn't it it went, it went on over <laughs> on top of the uh, world title match i think yeah which Mm, we can talk about that if we ever do it. But, mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, after this match, we get a little clip of Josh Matthews interviewing Booker T backstage. Uh, Booker T just basically cuts a promo saying he's he's the biggest star on SmackDown. He's the best, etc. But what really sort of... And he's got his voodoo pouch. His little bag of dirt, yeah. <laughs> um, Josh Matthews here doesn't look like he's come straight from 2004. He looks more like he's come from 1994 with his highlights <laughs> and, and lovely sort yeah. of sparkly earrings. But there we go. Um, my, my only note on that one was that they clearly used an actual microphone as opposed to having like an overhead one because every time Booker T turned away from the microphone, it was like he went quiet and then he yeah. came back and he was loud. And <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I had an issue with that when I was using a certain microphone for this show. I've now got a headset because I got a habit of moving around and I kept forgetting to talk into the microphone. It's quite an important part of recording anything, I have found. So. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, we then get the general manager, Kurt Angle's music hitting. and. Oh, the sight of the first person I completely forgot about, Luther Reigns. Luther Reigns. Luther Reigns. And he's pushing out a big box. He was. He was pushing out a big box. Um, 
one and everyone knows that if you come out of a box you're over so <laughs> exactly um and angle was over he comes out the top of this big box in his wheelchair with his plaster cast over his trouser leg um in his on his on his broken supposed broken leg or broken ankle or whatever was wrong with him um broken leg he got yeah. he got stuck 20 he got he got thrown 25 feet onto a concrete floor by the big show wink wink yes yeah uh, on the orders of Tory, as he says here, isn't it? He blames Tory. Oh, which... No, 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 no. You've got that one. Oh. And what? So, do you do you remember what happened? I remember the spot. I remember him getting thrown off. Um, uh, do you remember? The, he's do you remember blaming the Tory here, isn't he? Yeah. But do you remember the context? Not. No. Again, it's this okay, time so period is quite patchy. It's it's all right. I I remember. So, um, are you sitting comfortably? Uh, um, so big show i don't know what actually happened he needed some time off so he'd he'd been fired in storyline um and for whatever reason he was big show was um upset at tory i think tory was supposed to like he was storming out because he'd been fired and tory was supposed to be laughing at something he thought he was laughing at her she then like damsel in distressed her way over to this big concrete ledge um for whatever reason Kurt Angle interjected himself, which is odd when you consider that Kurt Angle probably didn't care about anyone but Kurt Angle at the time, mm-hmm. and then got chokeslammed off of a concrete, like onto like and went splat. Right, I'm, oh, okay. I'm sure the moments, I'm sure the moments memorable, but like the context sometimes isn't. So yeah, I, and then that's uh, weird. But, that's very so, strange because I can remember the the spot of of him getting thrown uh, off the ledge, and yeah. now you mention it, I can completely remember. Tory Wilson laughing at something and Big Show misunderstanding, but the whole yeah. middle bit is a blank to me. Isn't it weird? Yeah, I can. Yeah, well, you say it's um, I think it's the same as um, when people like watch wrestling and they're like, oh, I really enjoyed that match, and you're like, Yeah, what happened? And like, obviously, we can talk about like <laughs> the the Raymond Mysterio Van Dam Dudley Boy match, but I literally just watched it this morning. I'm sure that you didn't watch it not that long ago, and you have notes. So, like, there's a lot more stuff fresh in the mind. Like, if you ask, like, your average fan, you will, like, what did you really like about a match? It's like, as I said, normally the entrance, you might remember one or two bits, and you'll remember the finish. So, in this instance, we've remembered the people involved, we've remembered, like, story wasn't laughing, and we've remembered the finish. I don't quite remember that bit in between, where it's like, how did we get from Big Show stalking Tory Wilson to Kurt Angle winding up flat on the floor? Hmm. Yeah, no, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny how it all works. And you're right. There's certain matches that I look back on very fondly. And there are obvious examples that are different. Like, you know, certain matches I can remember a great deal of because, I, you know, I wore out the VHS tape when I was a kid because it's like the only tape yeah. I had and so on, of course. But others that I look back on very fondly that when you really think about it, it's okay, well, what happened that makes me love that moment? And you're right. It's, you're absolutely spot on. Um, Kurt Angle here, he... He runs down um, LA. At one point, he wishes an earthquake to happen. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a bit whoa. <laughs> it's a little bit whoa, but he was going there. Yeah, he was going exactly. there. He then calls out Tory Wilson, and and basically cut into the chase. He it works out that if Tory loses her match this evening, um, she's she's fired uh, because again he's blaming Tory to some level for what happened to his leg and so on. Um, so, we didn't get... it's, 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 that's a very poor Heyman thing. If you ever watch ECW, like 
it's a very Paul Heyman thing to like take something as motivation to take it out on someone else so that you can move into a new program. Mm. And so it's like, and like that, like it's got Heyman's fingerprints on anyway. Yeah, and again, it's that sort of crossover, sort of one thing intertwining with something else that we that, that you were mentioning earlier on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dor Marie comes out, uh, and and it's I suppose it's it's relatively a, a sort of standard ladies match for the time. Um, yeah. it, it went a little bit longer potentially than I was expecting. Um, yeah. There were some nice moments in it, to be honest. I mean, the, the Dor Marie. There's, a, there's quite an impressive leg drop on the outside of the ring that, I was, uh-huh. that sort of surprised me when it happened. Um, obviously, we get a moment of, shall we say, a wardrobe malfunction uh, where Dawn ends up uh, with her arse out for a great chunk of them for the match. Um, but something that really I, I did enjoy, and it's one of those just silly little personal things, uh, and the wife uh-huh. chuckles at me about this all the time, Tori Wilson wins the match with a backslide. I bloody love a backslide. <laughs> Good move. It's effective. Yeah. Try, 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 try it in a real wrestling match. It probably works. Yeah, um, that's it. I, I enjoy a backslide. I don't know why. I really, I really like it when people pull it off and, and when it wins I, a match, it makes me smile. It makes me happy inside. I, I, I like a backslide. Dave Eaton doesn't like a backslide. I once like nearly broke his neck on that when I was still learning. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta be. You gotta take it easy on your way down on a backslide. Yeah, he, I, he's um, not mentioned that. I'll have to ask him about that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. He'll, he'll remember. He might not. He'll play it down, but he'll remember. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that this was probably the worst match on the card. Yeah, in I terms think so. of like ex, in terms of execution. However, looking at it in context, like. For women's wrestling at the time, it was very good. Like it was very well executed. It's just like for me, it's still very much like okay, so we do this move and then this move and then this move and then this one, without necessarily having the connective tissue all the way there. Because mm-hmm. again, I think that a lot of the time, like it, it, it's just like they're not, they're just not at the, that level. And again, this was a very good show, and I feel like everyone else on the card was at a much like was at that higher level where they knew what they were doing. I can't think of anyone else. I mean, Luther Reigns maybe, but all he was doing was pushing a trolley. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I, and to, again, like that sounds like I'm shitting on it. I'm really not. It wasn't. It wasn't bad by any means, but it also wasn't anywhere near as good as anything else on the card. No, um, no, and, no. Yeah. And Dawn Murray had to get a bum out for a pop. So yay. Yeah, but, I don't know um, if that was intentional, was it? It was absolutely intentional. You reckon? It was absolutely. It was absolutely intentional. Yes. Yeah, there's the reason why she had a flesh-coloured thong on. It was absolutely intentional. Aren't all your thongs flesh-coloured? Oh, my, my thong, are my thongs... Aren't all thongs flesh-coloured? I mean, no. Mine not. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I suppose it beats the but, fact that, you know, as, as wrestling fans, we've had to look at Ric Flair's arse for, like, four years. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you want to play double advocate a little bit. It's, it's also one of those that will file under... It's probably one of the first instances of like couldn't do it today. Yes. Yeah. Or well, actually, I, th- I think the first one may potentially be wishing an earthquake on a city. You probably wouldn't get away oh, with that. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Like, yeah, there'd definitely be some tweets about that, wouldn't there? There would. There would indeed. Um, oh, I don't okay. know what happens then on on the network version of this show, whether something is cut or there's an advert they've removed or. Or something mm. has been took away from the 
the broadcast that we're watching on the network. But we very, very quickly cut to Scotty Tuhotti's entrance for, for his match. Literally, it's almost like the click of a fingers, and it's cut to that, isn't it? Um, yeah, I imagine, I imagine it was an advert, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. And interestingly, about the, about the network um, version mm-hmm. of this show, when I pressed play, the first thing that struck me, we should probably should have covered this at the start, to be honest, my, my error, I apologise, but was like all the warnings at the beginning of this show. Call it, saying it's yeah, TVMA, yeah. 18 plus, not suitable for for youngsters and all this sort of stuff. That really, sh- that was really sort of striking to me, having watched as much wrestling on the WWE Network as I have, and then seeing all these warnings popping up on this event that I could yeah. remember having the ending it had, but I wasn't expecting yeah. to see that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that it is something that they've just started like bringing that stuff back. Like it for, for a long time, it was sort of downplayed, and they've definitely started bringing like the warning stuff a lot more out front, as just in terms of the network, because um, mm. I'm a pretty avid watcher of the network. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see it. I, I mean, obviously, there's the main event, but then like this period of time, like the themes were a lot more just generally adult, and mm. also there's like there's a match later that you could definitely turn around and say like, well, that's some domestic battery right there. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is a pretty mature theme. Um, yeah. But we'll, but we'll get there. We'll get there, indeed. Um, Scotty Tuhotti is facing a debuting Mordecai. Mm. Um, this is, again, I completely forgot about this guy until Scotty started making his entrance. And I was like, oh, my God, mm. this is this is Mordecai. Um, yeah, now he yeah. Was, he was Kevin... Ferting, I think his name is Fertig. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I remember him as Kevin Thorne most. That's right. But. Yeah, he ended up being a vampire in the ECW sort of reboot, didn't he? He sure did. Um, and I think he's still wrestling now in a few places. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll run into him at some point. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Ask him how tricky it was to dye his beard and his eyebrows like that, if you do, his please. eyebrows. Oh, that seems like it would be the worst thing. Oh, imagine the burning of the bleach and stuff. Oh, yeah. For anyone who, who doesn't know, like, this guy bleached every hair on his head, including his beard and face mm-hmm. uh, and his eyebrows. So, uh, yeah, it's quite a striking look. Yeah, and he's, he's dressed all in white. Um, he comes to the ring with big sort of glowing white lights, I guess, and this strange kind of staff with him that's got sort of barbed wire wrapped around the top. Call it a cross because it's a cross. It's not a cross, but it's a cross. They want it to be a cross. He's wearing a dog collar. It's a thing about God. It's a cross. <laughs> and, and from what I can gather as well, listening to other podcasts and reading up about stuff, a while back this was, <laughs> this he was being built as a potential opponent for The Undertaker going forward. He, he was, I mean, at 11, at 11 or 12, I could see he was Undertaker fodder. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I was immediately like, oh, this guy's going to rest because he's the light and Undertaker's the dark and oh, this is going to be amazing. And then it, yeah, it didn't happen. No, in it just... Of, it, it didn't happen. Again, in terms of someone who like was maybe a little bit uh, green, I'd say that was probably what happened with Mordecai and the experiment didn't go too far after this. But, no. Um, the, the thing I remember about this match is that isn't Scotty too hot he good? Isn't he underrated in terms of his ability? Ah, oh, see, now... Uh, as you're aware, your good buddy 
partner in crime david eaton and i going back through 2000 pay-per-views one by one mm-hmm. and there's a couple of things that really stand out to us virtually every show we've done so far and we're about halfway ish through the year now so we got a pretty good gauge of that period i think yeah. how over too cool were how brilliant oh, yeah. they actually were in the ring as well um yeah, they weren't just really they weren't confident. just a gimmick they weren't just dancers no not at all not at all like, they, were also, all, they were both very good yeah, I mean, exactly, like yeah. Scotty's, Scotty had been in the company since like the early nineties. He'd been like enhancement talent, but he was, and this is essentially what he's doing here. Um, but he's he's really good. Like he's really talented wrestler. Um, and I think that people they remember again. They remember the worm. They remember the dancing. They don't remember that he's actually a really good wrestler. Yeah, we've seen him, uh, David and I, sorry, see, saw him wrestle in a singles match on one pay-per-view against Dean Malenko. Malenko? Obviously, yeah, Malenko, Malenko yeah, is, watched, is obviously superb. It, it was great. It was oh, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And I think the following pay-per-view, they had a tag as well with Malenko mm-hmm. involved. and Oh, just brilliant stuff. Um, but sadly, okay. here he is being just fed to this this new character um it lasts a smidge over three minutes and it's, it's effectively yeah i mean effectively it's a squash isn't it let's be honest yeah i mean you say it's sad but i don't again it, it shows that scotty can do that role very well and like i scotty has probably still got just as paid and he probably still just as much enjoyed it because that was the, the role he was given in that that night and often like people get hung up on like whether a match is good or bad and it's like well this match the point of this match was to make Mordecai look like a monster. And yeah, of course, did. yeah. So, you know, I mean, there were some there were some things that like there was a bit where Mordecai had uh, Scotty in the corner and he sort of like wrapped his arm around, like he had him shoulder first in the post and he sort of wrapped the one arm around the post. And I'm thinking, I'm stealing that. Mm. So, so it's and it was just one of them things where like, yeah, I think that in terms of like the, the job was to get Mordecai over and Mordecai is you know a lot more over than when he started. So, you know, props to Scotty. And also he hit him with a super kick and like looked like it broke Mordecai's face a little bit. So that was funny. <laughs> yeah. There's one line from Taz on commentary where the match has just started. And obviously, that, as, as you say, the whole point of this contest is to make Mordecai uh-huh. look strong. It's to push him, make him look big, um, get him over as, as in any way, shape they can. So the commentary have a big role to play in this. At this oh, yeah. stage he's thrown a few punches and a few knees and Taz declares, and it really did make me chuckle. Mordecai is doing things in the ring. I've never seen before. Now I'm going to claim a little bit of bullshit on that, but you see what he's trying to do. So <laughs> um, yeah. the best part of the match for me was seeing the razor's edge at the end. Um, it was the, nice. Yeah. For the, for the win just after three minutes. Um, we then get our first sighting of Chavo, Chavo senior and Jacqueline. Uh, so this is brilliant. This whole bit was brilliant. <laughs> and it showed off how good Chavo Sr. was. And yeah, actually how good yeah, Chavo definitely. was. Yeah, I mean, Chavo, I think, I think sometimes he gets a little bit overlooked because of how great Eddie was. But you look at when they were teaming together, um, he was he was fantastic in that role alongside mm-hmm. Eddie. It wasn't just Eddie and a partner. It was the duo that were both both brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I think you're exactly right with um, Chavo's just been overshadowed by Eddie. I mean, the other thing that Chavo didn't have going for him was his size at this time period. If he were around, like, I know he's around now, but if he were, like, you know, around 
around around now, like actually in the mix now, as opposed to doing lots of Lucha Underground or whatever he's doing. I think he'd be a much bigger star because, as you say, 15 years gone now, like size is a lot less important. This was still a period of time where like WWE weren't hiring people who weren't like six foot one and weren't like massive. Yeah. Um, so, and I think, you know, he was still very much seen as a cruiserweight, um, which, you know, he was, but then Seth Rollins is a cruiserweight and like Sami Zayn is a cruiserweight, but they're still like, they're much bigger stars today than they would have been 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I, that I that's the weird thing is, the, sorry, the weird thing there is as well, is obviously at the time, Eddie, who I think is a little bit shorter than Chavo, is actually a world yeah. champion. But that to me comes down it, to charisma. He's just got, uh, he's got it, it. It does come down to charisma, but it also comes down to a whacking load of steroids. Oh, uh, well, there is that. <laughs> it comes down to the fact he's a, he's a big reverse triangle. Like, mm. that's the dip. that would be my thing there. And it, it was, again, like, it wasn't fair but it was definitely the prevailing wind of the time for WWE. Like, you had to be big to be a big star. Like, yeah. you look, look, at, look at these matches later on, and everyone's a big, big boy, big, beefy boy. Like, I'm, again, not wanting to get too far ahead, but, like, I didn't remember just how massive Rene Dupree was. Rene Dupree mm. is ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. And again, you mentioned Eddie there. You look at the size of his neck muscles, and I suppose you've also got the... the, the the spotty back, for want of a better term. Those are sort of telltale signs, aren't they? Again, I was watching. Um, I was watching it last night. I think it was last night. I was watching it with Dave at some point, and I was like, "It, it, his back does look kind of like it's a fault line, just with all like the fissures and and the, the potential volcanoes there." It's like, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> and it'd be interesting to see how that would look on like if they'd have had like 4K and HD now. But then, like, oh no, look at like <clears throat> Ginger Mahal or someone, and you see it. So mm-hmm. it's not gone away. It's not gone away. No, no, even though they go on about a certain testing schedule, which... I mean, there is a testing schedule, but the Olympics has a testing schedule, and people beat that, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the comedy shown here by Chavo Classic... Oh, yeah, sorry, get back to the point. <laughs> as, as he's referred to on the show, Chavo Classic, uh, and it's, it's all sort of harking back to an episode of SmackDown a few weeks previous where Jackie, Jacqueline... Um, sort of de-pantsed him, I guess, dropped him down to his undies, um, which apparently is the most embarrassing thing that can ever happen to a man, the way they're selling it. Oh, yeah, terrible, terrible. You know? um, Yeah, exactly. And he's getting all flustered, and you've got Chavo telling him to get his head in the game and so on. I think all three of them play their role really, really well here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Very good. Very well executed. We then come to our tag team title match, which again, I think comes under one of the, one of those moments that potentially wouldn't wash well today. I, uh, I think that's, that's pretty unequivocal. Like it just wouldn't like some of the, like the idea of the character. Cause I mean, we're talking about Rico. Yes. Um, the character would be fine, but some of the stuff that they do would not be fine. And like, it doesn't work as well because well, it just doesn't work as well. Like, I think you still could do it, but it, it would definitely draw more ire from uh, Twitter, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. And basically what we have is Charlie Haas and Rico. They are your tag team champions. And they're facing Billy Gunn and Bob Holly, Hardcore Holly. Um, at this time, and again, Rico, obviously, I, I, I'm, I remember very, very vividly from his time as, uh, mm-hmm. I was going to say manager, but he wasn't, was he? he was their stylist for, for Billy and Chad. Stylist. 
Yeah. And the whole wedding angle and Eric Bischoff being fantastic, putting off the makeup and so on. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I saw Rico come out that I remembered this version of Rico. Again, it just disappeared into the back of my mind somewhere. I I, I completely lost track of this, but he's very much doing, if anything, exotic gimmick. Um, Yeah. Um, I would say the easiest, like, the easiest way to look at it would be like it's very gold dust. Yeah. Right? So if you know gold dust and like imagine a baby face gold dust and that's basically what you've got with Rico. Like slightly yeah, more turned up. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree with that. Like it's a lot less um it's a, there's a lot high, there's a higher energy to it, mm. I'd say. Yeah, maybe not. I mean not I'm not saying gold dust was subtle in any way, shape or form. No. But some of the things Rico was doing at this time almost makes gold dust look subtle by the way that he is so in your face I, with 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 the with the character i guess i think that you could argue that like because they were trying to make gold dust again for the time um but they were trying to make gold dust look a lot more insidious and a lot more like creepy than rico rico's a lot more fun mm. would be like how i would be how i'd describe it yeah um, so no that makes a lot of sense actually yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and again, if you, if anyone out there is, is unfamiliar with um, Adrian Street, it's well worth checking out a oh, documentary on the network about him. And it, it, that, that's the vibes I kind of got from this Rico character with the facial hair yeah. and, uh, and the movements and, and so on. Um, they're accompanied to the ring by Miss Jackie, who was actually around this time Charlie Haas's wife. Um, they they're playing on the odd couple tag team kind of gimmick, I guess, where they've teamed together once happens to have won the tag team titles. Charlie Haas isn't a hundred percent convinced Rico's loving life. Um, <laughs> and then we go into the match and we have, I suppose, Billy Gunn and Harko Holly acting quite homophobic, I suppose, to I, certain I actions. There's, any other, there's no other way to describe it. Yeah. Nothing to do with Rico. They won't tag in if Rico's in the ring. They're arguing about who's going to start because Rico is there. Um, and Rico plays up to this by lots of ass slapping and positioning his opponents in, in, in certain uh, certain ways to, to hint way. towards certain things. Suggestive way. Suggestive, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, yes. Um, again, I just don't think that side of it would wash now. I just don't think you could get away with that. But watching it now... I got a big kick out of it, and I thought Rico was bloody brilliant. I loved it. Yeah, I think it was very. I think it's very funny and very amusing. But I also think that. Um, that <coughs> sorry, dying. Um, yeah, I think it's. It was. I thought it was very funny, and um, you know, I, again, I. It's all in reasonably good fun, but I think that the problem is that, you know, it's one of those things where it kind of trivializes what is now seen as a very big, big deal. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you just couldn't do it, mate. No. I guess it's, kind of, it's kind of unfortunate, but like, I guess it's the, the price of progress, if you will. Yeah, and Rico wasn't much longer for the WWE world either. He left um, within six months of this show. He was gone. Um, he's worked around a few other places. I think he ended up in all Japan for a little while. Um, but now he's he's in his 60s and he's had various health issues. He's, he's had heart problems and issues stemming from concussions and so on. Um, so hopefully uh, he gets all better and sorted out there because 
I, I took a great deal of enjoyment out of watching Rico back in the day, especially with the Billy and Chuck stuff. Um, he, mm-hmm. he, he put a smile on my face, so I wish the guy nothing but good vibes and happiness, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, no, no, no complaints about that for me. I mean, it, I thought he was great as well. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't remember Billy and Chuck so much. I remember him more for this, but I thought... Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, Billy and Chuck was a little bit before I was, like, seriously watching. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because I very much remember it the other way round, as I said. And that wedding angle with Eric Bischoff is, is like one of the highlights for me. I always think when, oh, when yeah. I think of this time period or slightly before Eric Bischoff doing the voice and then the voice changing as he says, "Oh, does somebody say two minutes or three minutes or whatever yeah. it was?" And two minute warning come out and start destroying everybody. Oh, just absolute gold bischoff was fantastic yeah yeah no, no i I, re- I remember it like retrospectively but i didn't watch it at the time so it okay. is very good but it doesn't hit it doesn't like resonate quite the same as like when you're a child like, <gasps> no, oh, man. That's right. um interestingly enough i'll sorry, sort of deviate from our topic i guess but speaking of that we've segment been de- we've been deviating it's all good <laughs> um i've watched that back uh, uh, not too long ago and I was sat there with my wife and my youngest daughter, who is, who is the wrestling crazy one in, in the house. And mm-hmm. I did not know that was Bischoff when I watched it live. Now, bear in mind, this was what, 2003, maybe? 2002? I want to say, say 2002, 2003. Yeah. So I was in my early 20s. I didn't twig wow. it was Bischoff until he started putting the makeup off. My wife and my daughter, who had not seen this before, both looked at me and went, how did you not know that was Eric Bischoff at the time? And I didn't have an answer for them. I was, just, <laughs> just I was making feel belief, very, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There we go. Um, if we take away all the, uh, I suppose, Rico shenanigans and the storing by Gunn and Holly, um, wrestling-wise in this match, we have a few nice moments. I mean, Charlie Haas does an incredible German suplex where his opponent oh, seems isn't to... It? Oh, his opponent just seems to go straight up as opposed to, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because it's an actual German suplex done by an actual amateur wrestler as opposed yeah. to the like, Mickey Mouse ones that you see all the time. And I include myself in that. I can't do an actual German suplex. Right, okay. But, um, but, uh, yeah. An actual, finish, an actual, um, oh, yes, sorry, the finish. No, sorry, yeah, I think I think there's a slight delay that's causing a bit of an issue, but we'll power through, Joshua, we'll power through. Um, the finish comes when Holly goes for his Alabama slam, which I always thought looked incredible when he hit it. Absolutely brutal move. Yeah, it sucks to take. I can imagine. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, Rico scores with a kick just before the, the move's completed, which leads to his partner pinning holly for the win um mm-hmm. and again there's lots of skipping and smiling and waving from rico and again he's having a jolly good time and good luck to the fella um but that was it so just over 10 minutes that was your tag team title yeah. match um that, that was not a traditional tag team. match i suppose <laughs> no it wasn't i mean that was that was my main like critique of it was that it was very much you had the beginning the middle and the end and the end was almost like because the beginning was very like the focus was very much on the beginning because you had all the Rico bits and that the ending was great was pretty much Rico gets tagged in. He does, he does a hot tag ish. It wasn't, it was a little stumbly bumbly. Uh, then we go <laughs> right into, 
and then we go right into um like shotgun finishes so billy gunn hits the famous uh the yeah charlie Hoss comes in with that suplex um and then hardcore comes in and scoops up Hoss, and then the super kick and then the roll up and it was like uh, you could have maybe put a little bit more thought into like the end because that's the again like talking about like when me and dave were tagging um that would be the thing that we'd put a lot more focus on okay again even even like the uninitiated know the ebbs and flows of a tag match you know that it's probably not going to end until the good guy makes the tag and then ah and then there's lots more stuff going on right mm-hmm. um and so we you try to put a bit more focus on that ending bit because even as like an uninitiated like someone who knows not no no doesn't know nothing but like knows you just you you understand the ebbs and flows of a wrestling match and therefore in it's that last bit after like the big tag's been made that's when like the drama happens in our opinion and so i do i would have preferred to have seen a bit more at the end there a bit more false finishes a bit more something but like i guess if they had 10 minutes they went oh 10 minutes let's go home and that's what they did and it was again it's all competent but like again just yeah. if i could make a critique that would have been it yeah no i understand i understand um yeah i, I suppose that kind of covers that whole matter. oh one other th- thing very quickly didn't we have some beautiful title belts around this time? These these SmackDown oh. tag titles are lush. The actual undisputed championship that Eddie wears later on in the show is fantastic. Even the Cruiserweight title, I think, looks great. You know, there's some beautiful titles around this time. I mean, my only thought on it was that they actually looked like championship belts and not yes. like toys. Because now they look like toys marketed to kids, which, to be fair, they are. Um... So, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's a sign of the times. I think that belts could still look like good. I think they could still look like important. I don't think wrestling belts look important. Though. I think they often look quite silly. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I think the AEW world title still is quite striking because of the size. I think the, AE, I, I think the AEW, yeah, they definitely, um, I, I think that they maybe share my well, whoever's in charge shares my thinking on that in that it still needs to look like important. And mm. I also think that they, they maybe took a look at the uh, New Japan, like the IG, IWGP belt, not the new one, but the one they had before that, and went, let's be inspired by that. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I was, I was about to mention the, the IWGP belts as well. Um, again, not necessarily the new one, but the, the, the one that sort of ran into this, the, the IC title in New Japan, yeah. um, the US belt as well. Um, my good buddy Magsy, who, who records my other show, Chain Wrestling, with me, has actually got a replica of the US title belt behind him when he's recording. I always, when we're on a video call, I always look at it w- with a huge level of jealousy because I think that belt is beautiful as well. Um, it is a very nice belt, yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. It, it makes them look and feel important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, my, my favourite belt is still like big gold belt, probably followed by the original NWA belt. Okay. But yeah, I like the big gold. I, I love that's my personal favourite. The big gold is my favourite as well. Um, I was very Can lucky that. F- I I sorry to interrupt again, but I saw um, his picture of Roman Reigns, but instead of having like the WWE what whatever it is he's got now, he had the big gold, and I was like, oh. Oh, that looks so much better. Wouldn't that just look better? Oh, they did a series of them, didn't they? Where you had yeah. people having pictures taken with old belts or whether they were superimposed or they actually had belts there to do the photo shoots mm-hmm. with. And I think it was Cesaro had the European title. Um, yeah. That looked amazing. And who, there was somebody else. It wasn't Reigns. It was somebody else. But they were carrying the old 
winged eagle belt, the old WWF type. You know, some oh. of us were like Bret Hart and so on. Yeah. And that looked amazing as well. Again, title belts that look like they're important. Yeah, I mean, they, they just they look like toys now to me. And yeah. I don't think that's me getting cranky and old. I think they, they, they are now marketed towards kids and therefore they look there. They look, they look like they should be on the front of cars and not like good cars. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's spot on. I hadn't thought of that before, but you're accurate there. Um, yeah, like I was saying, I'm very lucky in that for my my uh, 40th birthday, my wife bought me a replica of the big gold belt, um, which I love. And, and it is, obviously, as it says, it's big. It's a big old title belt. And, you know, it's it's like the proper decent decent replica she, she really sort of splurged out, out for my 40th birthday which i was hugely grateful for but something i've sort of been discovered since owning this replica replica title is two things one i want more and two um i've really got nowhere to put it i've because <laughs> my house is so small and i've got my recording space in the bedroom and then i've got my i suppose proper desk downstairs where i make notes uh, and do research and, and do the writing for my articles and so on Oh. I've got nowhere to bloody keep it because everywhere is so small. So I end up just moving it around the house with me all the time. It's almost like I'm carrying <laughs> this title belt with me, you know, because <laughs> I don't want it left on the on the bed or I don't want it left on the desk or anything. Like that. I end up just moving it around the house all day long, you know. But I suppose at least you I get to in, look at it often. <laughs> you live in the life, man. You you, you live in the life of the champion. <laughs> yeah, the only downside is I'm too much of a lard ass to actually wear it. It doesn't go around me properly. So <laughs> that's why I over a sh- put it over a shoulder. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. Over Flair looked good like doing that. I can pull that off. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you, you tuck you tuck in the sides and then you sort of like have it like I don't know, like it feels like you told it like a book or like a baby or something. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, great stuff. Um after that, we have the cruiserweight title match, um, which is an intergender contest. And I think this again, you couldn't do a lot of this now, but there's you a few do, things I take offence to of, here. Um, yeah, well, you couldn't do a lot of how they do it. No, no, no. That's the thing. It's almost like the whole thing is it's Chavo Guerrero challenging um, Miss Jackie or, or Jacqueline for the Cruiserweight title. It goes just shy of five minutes. Um, but th- there's a video before the match showing how Jackie won the title using a low blow. Um, there's a low blow used in the match as well. Um, to me, it was almost, it was almost booked or, or almost came across in a way that made Jackie look so much like the underdog, she she stood no chance against the man. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, that, that that's exactly how it was, and that's exactly how it was portrayed, and that's exactly how it was intended at the time. Like it was the whole idea of like a woman can't beat a man. Like that was Which, definitely the story that was being told without shenanigans. Yeah, but this is the thing. It's not. It's not to me. To me, if you're gonna, if, if something like that's gonna be done, and again, I suppose it's looking at it through 2021 eyes, I guess. Yeah. But if you're gonna have thing. something like that match, sorry, go on. But I was gonna say in 2021, like that match would just be a straight wrestling match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's that thing of you almost want Jackie to actually, if, if she's getting, if, if the whole thing's being portrayed as the woman can't beat the man, you would imagine the woman to win, to go over, to 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 you know. Mm-hmm to write that presumptuous wrong i guess 
However, that doesn't happen at all here, and she's left looking pretty silly at the end, I think. I mean, I don't know if I'd, I wouldn't have said silly, but I would definitely say that she's not looking strong, and it definitely mm-hmm. perpetuates the idea that, like, that she got lucky, and that had she not hoofed Chavo in the nut, she wouldn't have gotten the win in the first place, and then, like, they, they do what, again, they, they give Chavo heat by saying, if this was a regular fight, Chavo would win because he, he's got his arm tied behind his back and then halfway through, he untied his arm. But that does mean that from that moment when Chavo has both his arms, Jackie stands no chance. So mm. it's, not, it's not a very popular narrative in 2021. No, no, very true. Um, and the reality of the situation is as well, the stories you hear about about. I keep calling her Miss Jackie, but the WWE referred to her as Jacqueline, didn't they? Um, the stories you hear about her is that she probably kicked most of the most of the men's asses herself, anyway. You know, she, she sounds like she could hold her own. Yeah, like she could hold her own. Yeah, I mean, Again, not... I think you got. It's, it's looking at it from a different. It's kind of looking at it from a different lens. In that, like, you think of the story is that that is the story is that Jackie couldn't beat Chavo, and that mm. is wrestling in the same way as like Scotty Too Hot. He probably could have had a much better showing against Mordecai in a real fight but we're not in a real fight. This is like a bubble. So you kind of, yeah. I think you kind of have, as much as difficult as it is, you kind of got to put that stuff to one side and go, this is the story we're telling. Like, I don't know if you've watched me wrestle. I mean, I do know you've watched me wrestle. I don't know if the listeners watch me wrestle. I spend most of my time getting thrown through the air by a lot of people who I could probably at least hold my own in a fight with. And mm-hmm. it's not really about like whether or not I can actually beat them up. <laughs> no, no, I understand. But, I understand. But like with this, like, yeah, it definitely, uh, it's definitely one of them things that wouldn't, it wouldn't go over so well in 2021. Um, no. But I think kind of have to look at it from 2004 eyes and go, well, you know, two months ago or three months ago, like Vincent Mann beat up his daughter um, and like <laughs> choked her out, out with a lead pipe. And it's like, well, yeah. you can't yeah. have the prog, you can't have the progress without the progression having happened yet. So, you know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you got some absolute gems from Michael Cole on commentary here as well. Um, at one point, he says that losing to Jacqueline is the lowest point of Chavo's career, uh, which is brilliant. <laughs> you have this. This one stands out to me as as really sort of summarising what what we're saying. Um, re- again, referencing referencing Jacqueline. Um, she is a woman, but she still knows what she's doing in there. Which is just that's uncomfortable. But there we go. <laughs> is that Taz? I think it was Taz. Uh, that might be. I've got it down as cold here, but yeah, it could have been Taz potentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, at least at least Taz didn't call her a tomato. So. Well, yeah. There we, we go. Can, but yeah, it's uh, again, it it wouldn't work today. No, definitely not. In, incidentally, just to go back real quick, Mordecai wouldn't work today. Because of the like the religious overturn, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have so much. Um... I, think that's, I think that's one of the reasons he got shelved in the first place. To be honest, but like, uh, yeah, doesn't didn't work then. Definitely wouldn't work now. People would get far too offended. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, ultimately, uh, Chavo wins the cruiserweight title back, and Chavo Classic kind of gets his his own back as well, giving Jacqueline a swift kick as they leave the ring. Um, it, it served a purpose. It switched the title back to where they wanted it, I guess. Um, but again, in 2021, maybe slightly uncomfortable viewing with some of the things they were saying and doing. Yeah. I um, 
we have another title match straight after this, and we have the aforementioned huge Rene Dupree uh, challenge. Yeah, huge man. He was massive. Challenge. I, I don't. I don't remember him being massive at the time, but I think it's because everyone was massive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and he's challenging uh, John Cena for the United States title. Now, this is very early on, John Cena, isn't it? They actually say this is his first uh, title run. First, first time, he, he beat Big Show at Mania Twenty for the US belt, and so yeah. this will be his first pay per view title defense. No. I like Cena. I know he divides a lot of opinion with certain groups and so on, but I like John Cena. I miss John Cena on television now. I think he has a star power that, that, that the WWE uh, sometimes miss, and when he's around, it, it's a benefit to everybody. Um, I think like we can has... get, we can, sorry to interrupt. We can get into that rabbit hole of how um, WWE don't make stars anymore, if you want, but maybe in a minute. <laughs> but yeah. they, don't make stars. they don't make stars anymore because... Well, for one, they don't want to. Um, yeah. They they want the star of the show to be WWE. Exactly. Like if if you watch NXT and you hear the fans chanting NXT, NXT, that's because NXT, at least in its in its infancy, couldn't rely on stars because they'd always be changing. So it was build the brand, and then make the brand the star, and then it doesn't matter who comes and goes. That's actually what Paul Heyman did with ECW, because. Like he knew that his he couldn't hang on to all of his stars, so he made the brand the star, and so people would come to watch ECW. And now WWE want people to watch WWE. They don't watch want people to watch John Cena. They don't want them to come and see Roman Reigns. They want them to come and see WWE. And WWE is whoever they're presenting on that week. Yeah, it's spot on, spot on. And that's where you get the um the sort of fifty fifty booking as it's referred to, I guess, where somebody will win one week and then lose the next. Um, uh, it's there almost is, like there is that, but I have a different theory on it. If you'd let, if since you know, um, I've got my soapbox now, so I'm going to rant. Go for it. <laughs> um, it's much less the fifty fifty booking, though it is also the fifty fifty booking. It is the fact that it's so heavily scripted and so heavily like sanitized and pasteurized for your safety. And they decide who's going to be the star. Like, the cream no longer rises to the top. So, because everything's so tightly controlled, they don't run with things. Like, the last time that they ran with something was probably Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch was not supposed to be the star that she became. But then Becky Lynch's talent started to come out and that charisma. Like, it started to, like, shine. And people took to it. And people took to it very organically. As opposed to nowadays, where it's like, you will like this guy, and then the fans will be like, yeah, we like him, but we don't like him that much because it's not, it's not a legitimate, it's not a genuine connection that they've made in the same way as like Stone Cold Steve Austin when he did Austin 316 says, I just kicked her ass. It was not supposed to turn him into a megastar, but it did, or it got him on the road. And what the people in charge did at the time was went, okay, Austin's getting hot, we're going to go with it. Nowadays, it'd be like, it's almost like Zack Ryder or someone like that roll it back a little bit is that they went okay you've gotten big on your own let's cut your nuts off that was something i was gonna i was gonna come to actually the whole um sort of sort of stopping momentum i guess is, mm-hmm. is a way of wording it i mean braun Strowman yeah. is one example I, I please please bear with me with all of this as well i don't watch masses of the modern product anymore i just can't i just can't i do don't watch any I watch. I'll put the pay per views on. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't watch Hell in the Cell recently. That was their most recent show. But I will normally watch the pay per views because uh, you're normally going to get 
just wrestling on the pay-per-views so i, yeah. I can handle that um but the weekly television oh, i haven't watched for for a long time and but i, I look back on say braun Strowman. he got and, and Samoa joe as well to a degree when he was facing lesnar at a certain pay-per-view there was yeah. momentum behind these these people, these characters, there's momentum behind these these uh, these people rising up the card, I suppose. Um, and you could actively see them, basically cut them out at the knees, stop the momentum. And yep. to me, it's I understand. I understand when I say I understand, that's not right. I know why they do it. I don't understand it. To me, it, it, it it's it's just daft. Why, why 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 do they do it? I'm I'm just interested in your opinion. Well, going along with what you're saying, they don't want. I suppose when you look back through time, because I was going to, there's actually a lot of different things that I would attribute to this. Actually, um, yeah, but there's, 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 there's plenty of reasons why that people can sort of um, it's a lot go of, along. It's a, lot of one, people, it's a lot of things that people don't necessarily see, um, and one of them is actually the network, and the reason for that is like WWE no longer cater to their casual fan base um and i think that there's a degree of that that they don't understand what their casual fan base is um and so because like a casual fan is probably never going to buy the network ever because a casual fan watches raw if it's good or watches smackdown if it's good or watches the pay-per-view if it's good um but never, we'll never like listen to a wrestling podcast. We'll never go onto a wrestling blog or listen to a wrestling forum. Um, so they need to appeal to the slightly more hardcore fan base, like you know, like yourself, like me, I suppose. Although I'm not really, wouldn't consider myself a fan. Um, and so, because like their focus turned from TV to the network, they started looking at how to appeal to a more wrestling-centric audience, as opposed to like an entertainment-centric audience. Um, Stop me if I'm like getting too into the weeds on this. No, 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 please um, carry on. But so, in order to appeal to that more hardcore fan base, that's when I think the wrestling in the WWE got a lot more like indie, if that makes sense. Like you've got like the Kevin Owenses, you've got the Sami Zayns, you've got the Seth Rollins, you've got the indie darlings, as it were, and you brought them in um, because you knew that it would boost your hardcore fan base and that the people who would watch those guys on ring of honor will then come over and get the network. However, like say, I don't know, Molly from like Plymouth who watches raw every Monday, but doesn't watch SmackDown is probably never going to get the network, no matter how hard you press her for that nine ninety nine. And so they went, we need to like change our demographic, which is also why I think, over this past 10 years or however long the network's been around, but really the past 10 years, like it's why like stars have become less important. And it's also why I think just, you know, TV for them has become less important and trying to appeal to a broader fan base. And that actually is why I think there's been a trickle down theory with all of wrestling and why. So I think wrestling has become a lot more like insular, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think that it has the mass appeal it used to. And the reason I think it doesn't have the mass appeal it used to is because it no longer appeals to the masses. And breathe. <laughs> did, that make, did that make any sense? No, no, no. I, I see where you're coming from. I understand. I, I think there's lots of factors that sort of go into it. Um, the, the whole creating a star or, or going uh-huh. with the momentum of somebody 
Um, I, I think the, the, the concern of them losing that star is a big worry for them. Um, I think you worded it really well when you said about promoting WWE now as a brand, as opposed to promoting WWE, almost WWE featuring Stone Cold or WWE featuring The Rock. It's just WWE yeah. the brand. Now, the big thing with, with, with WWE now, I think that it is really prominent um it is they they have these shareholders they need to appease they have their mm-hmm. the, the share prices they need to make sure are at a certain level and the profit margins and so on now you go back as far as say i guess the early 90s mm-hmm. when you had hogan stepping away for the first time in in 1990 um obviously earthquake squashed him but he was going off to uh to make a movie and the company took a hit he came back it went back up now, back then, they were still privately owned, but the mm-hmm. the, the company had... There's, there's, there's a pattern of this. 93, when Hogan returned again, but not for long and disappeared, um, they went through a bad run after he disappeared then as well. Yeah. Go, go, uh, probably, you know, through, through 94, 95 was a dark time for the company. Um, and it, it, missed, it missed Hogan. It missed, it missed exactly. the mega... It missed like, the star, yeah. Bret Hart was there, but Bret Hart didn't transcend wrestling in the same way as Hogan did. Everyone knew who Hulk Hogan was. Exactly. Exactly. Was. So then the next big boom period is, I suppose, what people refer to as the Attitude Era, where Austin mm-hmm. came along and it just exploded again. And they were making yeah. so much money, it, they didn't know what to do with it. Um, but then when Austin and The Rock leave, again, the, the product takes a hit. Um, and I'm, there's a lot more to this. I'm very much summarizing this quickly. Yeah, yeah, we're streamlining and simplifying. Yeah. Um, when when the megastar again, I guess, like a Hogan or a Rock or an Austin leave, they take a hit. Cena is the same, whether people like him or not. Cena was responsible for certain peaks in prices, ticket sales, merch sales, and so on. Um, when Cena is not there, they took a not as dramatic, but they did take a minor hit again. Now, yeah, I think. I think the difference is that Cena was he was the star, but he wasn't like the only star. Like yeah. it wasn't like it was um when it was Hogan and then everyone else. Like you did still have like you had Batista, you had The Undertaker, you had you had other people underneath him that weren't like so many million miles away from like the top guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it did still affect the bottom line for him, yeah. Yeah. Now with the modern day uh, and not even necessarily exactly modern day, it, the recent years, shall we say. Uh-huh. The obsession with that bottom line, as you as you refer to it as, the obsession with the 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 share pricing and the shareholders um, being sort of kept happy is huge. It's a massive motivation for the company because certain uh-huh. things happen. Even just rumors in certain websites or whatever, you see overnight stock prices rise and fall very yeah. marginal but that's how these things are affected and the the, the the amount of shares and the amount of money that's in this company if it fluctuates even slightly you're talking millions of dollars there so yeah. i think and maybe I mean, an aspect sorry. of this is if they have a big star if there is if they allow someone to be their main attraction and they make all that money that's brilliant for them but what about when mm-hmm. that guy leaves or that girl? Sorry. What about if they then go off and make movies like Hogan and The Rock and so on have done beforehand? You're going to see that big drop off again. Or, or you would imagine you would looking at it may not happen, but I, you imagine it would looking at previous history uh, over the last 30, 40 years. 
Now, if you have that big drop-off and the share prices drop in that way, the McMahons have got some very, very awkward questions to answer. And it's not yeah, going to be and, something they're going to be looking forward to doing. And they're answering to bigger and bigger people now because, like, they've got all the... It's not just the share price. Like, they've got all these TV deals in the works. Like, there's yes. definitely talks of, like, the, of them selling. There's talks of them selling to NBC. So, like... I mean, that, that's definitely what I've heard in terms of, like, why they sold off a load of, like, why Strowman's gone, like, why a load of big stars mm-hmm. have gone, is in that the coming, like, years, they're going to make themselves look as profitable as possible to get the most out of, like, a TV, like, out of someone buying WWE. Yeah. I mean, again, there's so much... I think there's various different reasons as to why they operate the way they do with regards to sure. building a new star and the, the sort of chop and change uh, and cutting the momentum of certain people uh, as we've as we've covered i think it's a little bit of this a little bit of that lots of different things adding up um yeah but it's an, an obvious thing for me is that it does happen there, there's people there who could be an absolute megastar and they I just think, stop their momentum and there's i, I think, think there's the these various exa- reasons think, are for I think that, the best know? example of someone sorry i think the best example of someone recently is moxley like he there's no doubt in my mind that John Moxley or Dean Ambrose could have been like the tippy top star in the WWE and that they just didn't want it for whatever reason. They just, they had him pigeonholed as something, something other than that top guy. But I can't think of many people in today's like wrestling who can connect with an audience like him and be like that genuine and can also turn like chicken, chicken salad, like a chicken shit. Like I've never known anyone who can do that quite as well but more than anything just a, as an individual who like comes across as so genuine and believable like that's a guy who could have been a top star mm. and is now a top star in AEW yeah no I understand I mean that's not to say obviously that WWE don't have their, their bigger names I mean Reigns is obviously a bigger name than say someone who is in earlier on, on in the card i guess lesnar is obviously you know if and when he returns going to be a big name for them becky lynch yeah, I, I, and so I don't on. think i don't think you can include lesnar though because he was a product of a, a he was a product of the outside and b he was a product of an earlier time so like if you're talking yeah, about okay. the audience stars of the modern day that's why you get a lot of people come back like edge in that because no, they no, need sorry I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not meaning um i'm not meaning building stars now i'm, I'm talking just star quality to individuals oh, yeah, they have yeah. access but what, to but what, I'm, but what i mean is that um in terms of you referring to like stars that were built built in a in the modern era i'd say that lesnar was built in a bygone era well but yeah if you, yeah if you look in timeline wise 2002 was when he had his big breakout so yeah that's definitely a, a different era of course i'm, I'm referring more to more, more to people they have access to there's obviously going to be bigger oh, okay. names yeah, yeah. than yeah, like Reigns is obviously a bigger name. Lesnar is obviously a bigger name than, say, certain other people further down the card. So they do have mm-hmm. these people who are a bigger deal than others. Of course, they have their main event scene, but they don't have that runaway star like yeah. a Hogan, and, a Rock, an Austin, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they're mega stars. Like, their big, big stars are nowhere near even approaching as big as, like, the stars of yesteryear. Like, exactly. not even close. Because, like, everyone, again just sort of lost in the shop. The only guy who maybe is in that stratosphere would be Reigns, and it's because they strapped a rocket to him from the moment they saw him, mm. and, they've, and they've just been forcing him and forcing him and forcing him, and now they've finally struck a bit of gold with him, 
And uh, to be to be fair, when they do eventually turn him back babyface, which by the way they're totally going to do, he will probably be like their big mega star. Mm. But he's still on his way, and, and I think it's like he could have done this, you know, a decade ago. But that's beside the point. Like, like the only reason that he's as big a star as he is is because they they willed it, as opposed to as I said, like with a guy like Ambrose. Like you look at the Shield when it broke up, and Ambrose was definitely like the people's paper, mostly because they turned Rollins heel as opposed to Ambrose. But I'd say like he was the guy that like people gravitated towards the most and would, would have been like, we want this guy. And the Fed went, nah, we like this big, tall Samoan. And, but they went, but we like this one. And <laughs> said, yeah, but we like, but we like this one. So this <laughs> one's the one you're going to get. Yeah. You're going to get this one. And we don't care if it takes a decade. You're going to get him and you're going to like it. Yeah. I think um, you're right. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, Rene Dupree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting back to 2004. Um, yeah, John Cena, Rene Dupree for the US title. This, again, as we said, Cena very much in his formative years, I suppose. But I bloody love John Cena around this time. The old Doctor of Thugonomics and the, the rap promos and so on. I thought it was bloody great. Yeah, I think the reason... Um... I think the reason why people moved away from him as opposed to now is that he still had an edge to him then. Yeah. Like he wasn't like this white knight. He wasn't Captain America. Like I think that's the best way to sum it up. Like to use like a comic book reference or if that hopefully people understand. Like he wasn't squeaky clean. He didn't he wasn't hustle loyalty respect yet. He still was like essentially a street thug. But people but the people he was now beating up were, you know, people that fans didn't like as opposed to and did like yeah and i think that's what like but then wwe does that a lot like they did it with Shawn michael they made you know they took everything about him when they made him a megastar and made him they he wasn't cool anymore they did it with kevin nash they've done it a lot but again that's looking to the future right now john cena in 2004 is great and I, I think you're absolutely spot on that's a really good way of wording it that edge he had with some of his promos yeah. he would sort of he wouldn't necessarily cross a line, but he'd be very, very bloody close to it. Um, and, and I think that sort of, and, it, and he was, he had a natural charisma. He was funny. Um, but yeah, just, just, just really enjoyed this time with Cena. Um, something else that stands out to me about this as well is obviously that, you know, we said about how, how Dupree is a massive fella. Uh, he's literally just 20 years of age here. 20. He's 20. The boys are sperm still. It's not fair. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Have you seen any pictures I, of him recently? Not recently. Um, I know that he still wrestles occasionally. I don't know where, but I know that he's still wrestling and I know that he's still pretty pretty big. He is huge and he's really covered huge. in tattoos and has this long hair and yeah, he looks very imp- he looks kind of like something that WWE would really enjoy to use now to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think I think he just got like the story goes that he again, he was young and so like the old head just didn't like it. Yeah. He was young. Which is a shame because he really was again I'm watching it and I'm like, this guy's 20 and he gets it. Like he's good. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if the gimmick necessarily helped because after La Resistance, he was with uh-huh. uh, Sylvain, Sylvain Granier. Was that his name? Um, yeah, yeah. 
and Rob Conway was thrown in there to make it a, a threesome for a little while as well. Um, yeah. Once they parted ways uh, and they sort of shifted Dupree over to SmackDown to try and give him a little bit of a run on his own to see see how he did there. He kind uh-huh. of still did the whole French gimmick, which which is fine. You can you can get some crowd reactions from that from the from the good old US of A crowd and, and so on, I suppose. Uh-huh. But once that's been done and you've been vanquished, you don't really have many places left to go, do you? I suppose. Like, you can still, like, it still goes and goes. But, yeah, like, it was definitely his, it, Rusev, but without the winning streak. Mm. Like, Rusev was a Russian hero, which, again, in itself is a bit, mm. um, but, yeah, he, one of the things that made him work I think, as you said, was that he won and that Dupree didn't win. Like, it didn't necessarily help him. I mean, again, I, I remember Rene Dupree being around for a little bit. I think he, they could have done more with him. I think that he probably, like, he probably didn't help himself because he was, again, he was a child um, at the time and the old heads probably weren't too fond of him. Well, I know that for a fact they weren't because you listen to, like, stories of, that Dupree tells, that, you know, like guys like Benoit and JBL and again it's not it's not new to hear that like that happened to younger guys um so yeah I think it's more than anything I think Dupree was a wasted opportunity especially when I say he was 20 like yeah he he what if he says he'd be like what in his 30 not 30 he'd be in his 40s now but like he could still go I'm sure he'd be what would he be 37 now 37 Oh, but 1983, know, he was, yeah, yeah, he's 37, he's 34 in December. 37, oh, well, my math is terrible, but, yeah, but, yeah, exactly, so he'd still be wrestling now, and he'd be, right, and he is still wrestling now, but he could still be there now, and I think mm-hmm. he was a wasted talent, because he really was very good. Yeah, like, sorry, okay, 38 in December, he turns, not 34, sorry. Um, happy birthday for December. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah. There was, he did everything really well. Like he could wrestle well, he could talk, which you know he was com- he was comfortable talking. As you say, the gimmick maybe held him back. I don't know. It maybe helped him, mm-hmm. especially in two thousand and four. It was still like you know, it was still kind of going that way. Uh, yeah, evil yeah. foreigner. Hell, it was still going that way. Say with Rusev, so there's still a market for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get some. Yeah. Um... I, I, on the whole, I quite enjoyed this match. I think Cena mm-hmm. was good. Um, I think that the amount of time they were out there was spot on because when I was yeah. kind of thinking, okay, I'm happy with this to end now, it did end. So to me, that was that was great. It ended. It ended really abruptly, but it did end. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we we get sort of, I suppose, the old Cena hits. I guess the, the five knuckle shuffle, the you can't see me, uh, sort of taunt or or, or gimmick mm-hmm. or whatever um, and he ultimately beats uh dupree with the fu or attitude adjuster adjustment as it's called now i think isn't it um yeah there wasn't anything massively spectacular but it was really good everything they there, did was brilliant there was there was one thing that really stuck out in my mind that i thought i don't know about spectacular but it was horrible so do you remember um dupree's on the apron Cena runs in for like a cross body and Dupree like low bridges out of the way and Cena takes a crossbody onto the floor like without like he gets a hand on a rope and but just goes splat on the floor and I mean it was oh. like and it like it sounded like you took a, 
a slab of liver and just slid it off your kitchen counter. It just went flat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember I'm t- thinking he wouldn't, he's not taking that bump again, ever. No. No, I do remember that. There was actually another moment that I didn't enjoy, but this is just this is down to a personal thing. Um, oh, as yeah, I as I said previously, I really enjoy the backslide. I love that move. For, for, I don't know why. Can't tell you why. But for some reason, I love a backslide. Um, on that same note, on that same unexplainable personal level, I hate the bear hug. I don't know why. I, I don't oh, think I I I disliked that bear hug intensely. Actually, I I remember that there was a bear hug earlier in the show, and I was yeah. okay with that. Um, I can't remember who did it, but it was fine. Oh, I think it was Bubba to like Ray. And I was like, the proportions make sense. Um, but yeah, Cena and Dupree in a bear hug, it didn't, it didn't sit with me for 2004. Like it was much more 1974. That would have yeah. been just fine. But no, that, that didn't work for me either. No, I'm, I'm not a fan of the bear hug, to be honest. It's just one of those things. Again, it's like all on personal preference, I guess. But for me, that, that, that's a bit of a mess. But on the whole, I enjoyed this match. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of sort of foreign gimmicks that didn't really go anywhere, we then get a promo for soon-to-be-arriving Kenzuki Suzuki. Yeah, that guy. He was a thing, wasn't he? He was for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he was... Uh, yeah, I don't remember him hardly at all, other than he existed and that he was tag camps with Dupree for a bit and then he went away. Probably for yeah. the same reason Dupree did. And he had his wife, his real life wife, was with him mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's kind of kind of it. That's kind, I think that's kind of it. I don't remember him being very good. I don't remember him being horrendously bad, but I don't remember him being very good. And so yeah, and that's about all you can say about him, really. Yeah, but a nice video package nonetheless. We have <laughs> very good. And I suppose we come to our. Uh, semi-main event I suppose a, a big attraction match on the card um, The Undertaker with Paul Bearer brilliantly enough is facing yeah. Booker T Booker T has come over from Raw claiming to be a big big star, the biggest star on Smackdown um, uh, and so on and saying he's not scared of anyone to which The Undertaker takes offence to and we end up heading into this pay-per-view but oh. before we do we get lots of silliness with Booker T trying to get an edge on the Undertaker with visiting a, a voodoo. I don't know what you'd refer to them as a voodoo witch or a voodoo priest of some sort, or probably a priest. Yeah, um, getting instructions on how to get an edge on the Undertaker, and part of that includes dirt from an unmarked grave, um, which he puts in a little bag and carries around with him for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, we get a, a quote from Booker T on one of these promos or these interviews um, saying he will slap the dead off the Undertaker. I'm not quite sure what that means, but it sounded okay to me. And um, yeah, Booker T's always been a bit like that. He's always had that like ultimate warrior syndrome where he says something and it's completely nonsensical, but it sounds good. So yeah. you're like, yeah, <laughs> I'll slap the dead off the Undertaker. Great stuff. Um, Something that really tickled me as well, as as we had the entrances. Uh, first of all, Booker T's entrance seems a banger. I love it. But then a little reference, sort of ten years or twelve years previous, I guess, to uh, uh, an ex WWF character. We have a sign that says Booker Shongo, which just absolutely yeah. tickled me because the whole Papa Shongo voodoo links there. That was yeah, that was yeah. great. Um. The Undertaker's entrance, as always, is just superb, isn't it? The smoke, the lights, the music, the pyro, 
just just yeah. great to see, you know. Yeah, and it's nice to see Bearer actually. It's nice yeah. to have like the whole package. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Booker T comes out carrying his little bag of mud, and um, Sorry, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I enjoyed this as well. You know, I, I, it, I enjoyed this. It was a very good match. It was they both played up to their strengths. I think they the story was very good, and it took like Booker T four or five hits for every one of Taker's. My main gripe with it was, and I imagine this might have had something to do with the people involved, like wanting nothing to do with this voodoo storyline. But so you you spent like a a good three, four weeks building up this whole voodoo angle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Booker T gets ready to throw his little jar of dirt in Taker's face, and he throws it in his face, and absolutely nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, he just fires up and gets beat up. And that's fine to be like, okay, it didn't work, which, again, like, Undertaker's got this aura about him, he's got this, you know, he's the Undertaker, he's got the Undertaker mystique, and Booker T doesn't. But don't spend, like, a month building something for it to then ultimately go absolutely nowhere. Like, have it go somewhere. Even if it's just that you chuck the dirt in his eyes and that he can't see because you've thrown dirt in his eyes for a minute. Like, it just, yeah. it, it seemed like they completely no-sold it, which, if it, was, it was the intention, I, I get it, but I was like, mm, no, I wasn't a fan. I would prefer no, it to have gone. I think it's spot on. Gun. You, had... you, know, you spend all this time building up to it and then nothing happened it's like oh. yeah because you had you had the um the, the the video package you had the the clips of booker t going to the grave to gather the dirt you had him carrying this bag like it was his version of the urn i guess it was a big yeah. part of what they were building towards so yeah just yeah, to have it then chucked in the undertaker's face and nothing come of it it is kind of quite anticlimactic i mean it did tickle me that it stuck all over the Undertaker's face, lips, tongue, and so on because of where he was so sweaty. That made me chuckle a bit. Yeah, he probably didn't <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we we get all the, the classics, don't we? We get all the hits, the choke slam, the tombstone, and so on yeah. for the Undertaker to win. Um, and, everything, and everything done well. Like, oh, it's, it's so nice seeing the Undertaker still able to be the Undertaker. Yes, exactly. Like he, like, he can do that leg drop and get, like, more than half a foot off the ground. Oh. Yeah, that was impressive. That was really yeah. yeah. That that was Undertaker, and he could still physically go. Like his body hadn't given up on him yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, it was still a sight to see. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed this. Um, just shy of eleven and a half minutes as well, so it didn't to me outstay its welcome at all. Um, just just classic Undertaker. Just just good stuff to see. Uh, yeah. Iro- then- ironically, ironically, um, like it's. We're dealing with death and voodoo and stuff, and I still think it's the one match where it didn't have a single thing where it's like, oh, you couldn't do that today. Yeah. No, actually, that's a really good point. There's there's nothing where it's like a bit risky. Yeah. Considering some of the other things that are on this show, where they they, they sort of slap you in the face or more subtle hinting towards that sort of we couldn't do this today kind of ethos. But yeah, yeah, you, you could have. They could have crossed the line quite easily with that sort of voodoo magic side of things, but yeah, went nowhere near it. Oh, that's interesting. But then I suppose the dirt not working. Yeah, we were complaining I mean, about that one minute. And I mean, Undertaker, like he gets a lot of leeway because he's the Undertaker. Like mm. he works in his he works in his own bubble. Like you take you take Undertaker out of his bubble, and it's like oh, that's that's kind of why like 
I'd never liked watching like when the Undertaker was playing the Undertaker on like an on like a talk show or something. That always was like didn't look good. No, that's one of those but, embarrassing. Yeah. You know, as as a wrestling fan, if a non wrestling fan sees that, you kind of almost feel a bit embarrassed. Don't you? Actually, you just reminded me of a <laughs> something of a fun story. Um, so when I was young and naive, I tried to introduce a girlfriend to pro wrestling, and my first. Like opening salvo was 1998 King of the Ring, the um, that of the Taker and Mankind. Okay. And we didn't get, and of course we didn't get through the entrances because, like, from the un, for the uninitiated, it's like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and obviously it hurt my feelings. So I was like, I'm not going to watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, oh to be young, to be to be young. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I honestly, I feel so lucky that my wife and all of my kids have a passing interest in wrestling, but my youngest is the obsessive one. She, she just adores it. I feel very lucky in that I can sit and watch a W each week with the wife and, and my youngest. Um, my little girl takes interest when I'm watching shows back. We'll come to that in a moment, actually, because she watched mm-hmm. this main event with me. Um, she Ooh. takes interest in watching some of the older stuff back. Um, I've, yeah. I've seen her, watching old uh jim crockett promotions events on the network in her bedroom and so on and this is a lass who's 11 years of age so it's i love it i feel very fortunate that i've got that yeah good time good time yeah um we come to our main event then this is i suppose what everyone kind before we do a quick psa to anyone who else who is thinking of uh, showing their girlfriend wrestling for the first time um Shelton Benjamin versus Shawn Michaels, the Gold Rush tournament. That's much much more entry level. Cold match, good wrestling, super kick at the end is great. Anyway, oh, that's super, main event. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's super kick, brilliant. Yeah, the main event. It's kind of what everyone, I suppose, remembers this show for, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because um, we get some quite striking visuals uh, towards the end oh, of the match. Oh, don't we? Don't we, though? We have a great video package again promoting jbl as this this new character that he's portraying the um Mm -hmm. the money making uh limo riding i suppose um cowboy texas ted dibiase ah yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah spot on um we get footage of the house show that they ran in guerrero country where eddie's mum suffers a heart attack uh at the hands of jbl um couldn't do it today. No, shouldn't have, no, well, it shouldn't, shouldn't have done it then. But apparently, she actually did suffer a heart attack, didn't she? No, no, she didn't. Watch yeah. it. He he grabs her, and the second he grabs her, she like goes ah, panto death. There was He's some health out. issues with her that she was she was they, supposed to be having uh supposed to be faking this heart attack, but then something actually happened. At that moment, the timing is obviously really inconvenient. Don't get me wrong, but something actually did happen at that stage. I'll have to go back and look that up. I am, um, I am skeptical. I imagine that might be one of those cool. I mean, you need to remember that they're the Guerreros, so like they're going to be upholding kayfabe. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But I would be skeptical myself. Okay. Like if, <laughs> if, if 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 it turns out that you're right, let me know, and I will tattoo the words "fancy that" across my forehead. <laughs> no worries um I, I really enjoyed this jbl character i know a lot of people don't look back on this JBL, very fake, but i thought he was great again 
again, I think that people get confused with like John Layfield and JBL because JBL as a character was brilliant. Like he knew his role, he knew how to execute it. Um, he was very, he was very, very new to it at this point. Like this character had maybe been around a month, and like he was still nailing it. Like he knew what he was doing, and like to his credit, Guerrero helped out a lot because this this really was like the match that made Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the match that turned him from like, you know, isn't this the guy who used to be in the APA? To oh no, this is like the worst human being to have ever lived. And like so, this program is what got him there. And yeah, I I can't fault it really. I think he did. I think in terms of like his ability to be hated and to be willing to be hated because there's a lot of like you know bad guys who don't want to be like completely hated i don't know if you've like i've never wanted there to be anything redeemable about like joshua goodwin right and i think jbl and i think jbl is the same like there's no there's nothing about jbl that you can be like yeah but he's like you know but he's brave yeah but he's strong yeah but he like he wouldn't do that it's like no there's nothing redeemable about the mm. jbl character and therefore he should and could be a tippy top guy in terms of like he's a he's a number one base and number one heel for a reason and i think a lot of that harkens back to the fact that he's very old school which has been a good thing but also to his detriment because it does mean he's a bit of a prick yeah yeah you're right again he's he's very old school and he's a proper bad guy isn't he like you said there's no, there's nothing there that you can piece Absolutely. together to like yeah 100 percent um do you remember the vignettes they did around this time as well of him stopping Mexicans coming over the border? Yeah, film- yeah, that's the, other, that's, that's the other thing that, like, when I said I thought of Texas Ted DiBiase, and he is Texas Ted DiBiase, but he's also like Texas Ted DiBiase if you watch too much Fox News. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like that's absolutely like in terms of yeah, stopping te- stopping people at the border and things like it's like it's just perfect. That actually that's what it is. It's Ted DiBiase. And real American Jack Swagger like smashed together. That's the And when he used yeah. to come to the ring and um, shake people's hands and then have the hand sanitizer out, that, that little touches yeah. like that I thought were excellent. Yeah, yeah really yeah. good stuff. Marmy kit. Yeah, exactly. Um, Eddie Guerrero comes out, and again that that title belt just it's just beautiful. It, it looks like a proper championship. Um, yeah. Eddie starts the match standing in the corner on the middle rope and this, his facial expression this, is so intense this moment that you're talking about is like it's the whole idea of like where you can make money without doing a single thing because mm-hmm. eddie guerrero is is just stood on that second rope he's just staring a hole through jbl he looks like again you can believe that he wants to like do this man harm and Bradshaw, to his credit, is like being the loudmouth, and like I think he's saying, "How's your mama?" And, <laughs> but if you've ever been in like a real situation like that, you know that the guy who's like talking is the guy that's scared, and like so it's it's a really like good use of like bravado on the part of Bradshaw, and it's like it's really relatable. Like there's a real again, there's just big smacks of reality to it, mm. which I don't think you see so much anymore. And no. I do, and I think that when you do see, like, I think one of the reasons why people have really gravitated towards Roman Reigns now is because you can see that, like, there's some real, like, there's some real, like, Joe Anawai in there, 
when he's talking, whereas there didn't used to be. Um, I think that's his name, right? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I, I think it's moments like that. Because again, like J, JBL and Eddie Grow are friends, or at least were friends. Um, but you could absolutely believe that like Eddie wanted to kill him. Yeah. And I yeah, he did, he wasn't he wasn't looking to like win the rest win a wrestling match. He wanted to hurt him. And you know, he proceeds to do so for about ooh, a good a good length of time. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting you mentioned the toy, we'll come to that shortly. But um they start fighting on the outside. Uh, Eddie Guerrero yeah. uses um, a cable to choke JBL at one stage. Um, yeah. Eddie takes a bump into the ring steps. We then get a long side headlock by JBL. Now, this to me, though, was the opposite of the bear hug I didn't enjoy. And again, I think it comes uh, down to your point about the size of the competitors when you were talking about uh, Bully Ray and Rey Mysterio. You look at the difference yeah. in size between jbl and eddie guerrero when he's mm-hmm. well, sorry he when jbl has that side headlock applied especially when they're sort of going towards the mat and they end up on the mat the size difference yeah. and the way it looks just something as simple as a headlock it looks fantastic yeah yeah it does and also it makes it makes sense in terms of like so eddie's like really mad and he's like got all the momentum so if you're bradshaw you need to slow him down and so the best way to slow him down grab hold of his head and just hang on Mm-hmm. take some of the yeah. starch out of him uh, there's, there's a few other great moments in this match before we get to the obvious talking point um, yeah. Eddie goes for I, I guess you would call it a plancher over the top rope to the outside but JBL catches him and then gives him yeah. a fall away slam on the outside I thought that looked superb that was so impressive um, oh yeah it did it was great yeah and Eddie gets backdropped onto an announce table as well that doesn't break. So mm-hmm. that bump again looked yeah. looked I, impressive. I think I I don't enjoy that as much as I could because again I know a little bit about how bad like everyone says during this time period like Eddie Guerrero was in constant pain with his back. Mm-hmm. So like I watch I watch Eddie take like big bumps onto his back and I'm like oh you didn't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. But then but then that shows how selfless Eddie Guerrero was because he knew that the point of this match was to make JBL, like people don't appreciate that this match was to make JBL look like a star. Yeah. And so, and, and that's a difficult thing to do to like make a, to make a, a heel look like a star without outshining the baby face, but also making the baby, not making the baby face look bad. And so it's a very difficult thing that they're trying to do. And I say that they nailed it pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. I mean, Eddie, you're right. Eddie makes him look look fantastic with some of the the, the bumps he takes. He's flying all over the place for him, isn't he? Let's be honest. I mean, that that yeah, that yeah. fall away slam I mentioned on the outside. Oh, horrible! Why? That just he, he travelled some distance in the air as well. Then, um, yeah, yeah. We then get a bear hug for a bit, but I'm just going to skirt over that. <laughs> um, oh, no, that was it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate that bear hug because Bradshaw was like twice the size of it. But yeah. if you don't like a bear hug, you don't like a bear. No, there you go. <laughs> um, we then start getting into the the, the grind of uh, ref bumps here, don't we? Our first ref goes down. Um, on the outside, then, JBL kind of gets thrown towards the other announce table. Uh-huh. And this is when I started... I, I thought that the, the chair shot that happens here happened earlier in the match, but also I was Every, remembering... Everyone wrong. does. 
everyone does and i think mm-hmm. it's because it's such a focal point of a match like i remembered it but like that i watched this with dave dave remembered it like that everyone remembers like they think that the match starts at the chair shot and it just doesn't but i think it's because like it's such a like a massive moment of the match yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm i'm sat there watching them when jbl slid over over the announce desk and he's kind of between the desk and the crash bar- uh, and the crowd barrier and you can uh-huh. see him sort of reaching for the chair I just yeah. think, okay, this is it. This is when it's going to happen. Yeah. Huh? Um, so I'm kind of half watching my little girl next to me because <laughs> chair shots. I mean, she watches a AEW is her company. She likes new Japan as well, but AEW is, is her company. So that's her favorite. Yeah. So you see chair shots in AEW, but not, not to this level. And mm-hmm. he cracks him. And this is before we've even seen the, the blood. Yeah. Her mouth just drops oh, open. Her, her mm-hmm. eyes are wide. Mm-hmm. He swings about as hard as he could swing a chair, possibly. And I imagine it would have been on the orders of Guerrero. He'd be like, hit me. If you don't hit me, I'll hit you. And not that he would have needed to tell Bradshaw, because he knows what he's doing. He'd have swung that chair. And he knew, probably, that this was like the moment that was going to make him. And it was the moment that was going to make him. And then the next bit that made him, but not necessarily for the right reason. Yeah, because he gets hit with his chair shot, and you almost get a double reaction, don't you? Because I I had the double reaction at home from my daughter, but you also hear it from the crowd as well. You have have the ooh of the chair shot, and then my daughter's eyes came out on stalks, her mouth was open, Uh she couldn't believe, her hands went up to her face, she couldn't believe what she'd just seen. Guerrero rolls over, and there is just a tap of blood pouring yeah. it's just streaming out of him and the crowd again Ooh, when they see that i don't even it wasn't it was more like oh because it, it yeah. was like it was that bad and it was like instant because like normally when you get like a cut and it bleeds like the rest like you'll get the blood and it'll come a little later and like you've got to work it open a little bit but that one like it was immediate just blood everywhere like blood on his chest from the moment like that he you know did the little got the cut yeah and and it was it was pouring at such a rate as well as you said it's all down his chest but there's there's one moment where they sort of scrap around the outside of the ring for a bit again and eddie lies face down on the sort of black crash mats on the outside and he's there for two or three seconds not long yeah probably Um, probably not even that and yeah yeah, and when he's stood up there's a puddle where it's just pouring out of him yeah I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I assume that they hit an artery because you can see it like literally spurting out. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, maybe not quite what was intended. Mm, and it was at this point where, and don't get me wrong, she stayed and watched the whole match. She she, she kind of got over her initial shock. But uh, at that point, Charlie's turning to me and saying, I don't think I like this. So, and, and for her to react that way, I mean, she's, watched ECW events, she's in blood in matches before and so on. Um for her to react in that way, I think shows how dramatic this actually was as a visual from the chair shots right yeah, through to the, the it, blood everywhere. To be, honest, to be honest, I think it was like it definitely wasn't what they planned. They wanted blood. They didn't want that much blood and there's a reason why like that felt uncomfortable because mm. it just worked. Um yeah, it was just too much blood. Yeah, it was it was insane. It's all over the canvas. It's all over JVL. It's all over Eddie Guerrero. It's just everywhere. Um, eventually, we have a second referee come into the ring after JVL has hit his clothesline from Hell finisher, which I think yeah, I mean, this always looks, looks amazing. Oh, it looks great. This is another like point of like making 
Bradshaw. Like he had a very obvious and very visual win at that point. Like Eddie was done. So mm. The only reason Bradshaw did not win at that moment was because there was no ref. And it's another one of those like little things that people don't necessarily. Well, I'd, I'd say it's not that little a thing. Like people can see, oh, Bradshaw had the match won there. Um, and it was only due to the fact that there was no ref that he didn't become champion in that moment. And again, it's one of them things where they made Bradshaw like if it was me and had um like had you had hindsight and like you'd gone, okay, I'm I'm bleeding really heavily, let's just switch to finish and actually have Bradshaw win at that moment. Like I'd have done that's the way I'd have done it. I'd have actually okay. had him win because he was winning next month. Um yeah. and so because I mean and it would have probably had a little bit more of a shock. Like a little bit more shock value because like he just he just just went like you you know um you know New Japan right like mm-hmm. when Okada first beat Tanahashi for the belt and that was a surprise because it was like who's this guy and mm-hmm. that, like and they went with it and it was the shock of it and like that actually didn't turn out too well in the end but I mean I just because of like how much he's bleeding like I in my mind I just want to get Eddie out of the ring at that point yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite uncomfortable viewing, isn't it? In, it's, un- it's uncomfortable viewing, and also, like, he, he needs medical assistance at this point. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, cha- he's changing colour. He's going pale. Yeah, it's not it's not comfortable to watch. Um, we have a second ref come out, because the first ref was obviously down from, from the bump they took, to eventually count the pinfall after the clothesline from hell. But we then get a huge pop when Eddie gets his shoulder up at like 2.9 seconds or whatever it may well be. Um, yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it was. And um, we get the same again when JBL hits a huge power bomb, And that looked vicious as well. That was really yeah, well done. Looked good. It looked yeah. good. And actually, it looked good, but I think it was safe, which you don't always get because he went, mm. cause he, he went down with him, which makes it look more impactful, but actually makes it safer. Sorry, oh, okay. We're in the illusion, guys. You watch a Kevin Nash album, it's horrible. Yeah, I, most most of the time watching Kevin Nash is horrible, to be fair, not just the album, but that, that's a story for another time. But yeah, <laughs> and I'm a big NWO fan, but yeah, Kevin, just stand there and, you know, flick your hair around, so actually get in the ring for me, pal. Um, <laughs> um, we get a huge pop again for, for, for the two count from that powerbomb, and then we start seeing Eddie fight back a little bit and we start getting the little dance that he does. He just, and... he just hulks up at one moment. He yeah. Just hulks up. Like I can't, and it, and you know what? It's the perfect, it's perfect for the moment. But at the same time, I, I'm just like, just get out of the ring, Eddie, just take it home. Yeah. But, but like in terms of like, yeah, in terms of how they did it, he just hit him and just started like just doing the Latino heat thing and just started punching him. And it was like, <gasps> it was amazing. It was amazing. The crowd are going crazy as well, aren't they? they are uh, going and again, banana. I'm looking at uh, my daughter and she's edging forward on her seat at this stage. So she's getting really, because she doesn't know who wins. She's not seen this before. So that's, that's, that's quite a great thing for me as well. When I look back on these old pay-per-views, I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. get, she doesn't know the results. So I get to see her reaction, which kind of adds to, I suppose, my my notes of, of what I'm watching mm-hmm. to, 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 to yeah, speak yeah. about. So she's edging closer and closer to the end of, edge of her seat here. Um, we then get Eddie Guerrero, he gets in a position effectively where he can go for his frog splash finisher, but he misses it. Um, whilst he's recovering from that, JBL fetches a chair and the title belt. Um, mm. The ref removes the chair, which allows JBL to use the title. But as he goes to, Eddie Guerrero hits him with a low blow. Yeah. Take, takes the belt himself. 
Um, he clocks JBL with the title, but the referee by this stage has turned around seeing this and disqualifies Eddie. And the first thing that comes out of my daughter's mouth is, he still keeps the belt though, right? <laughs> so obviously she's been drawn in at this stage, which I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah. JBL then takes two vicious chair shots himself after, which are quite uncomfortable to watch again. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. It was a different time. It was a different time. But, yeah. oh, my days. They, oh, they make you feel uncomfortable knowing what you know now. Exactly. Um, and that's the biggest takeaway f- from, from this for me. Um, it, I enjoyed the match. Of course I did. And I'm not averse to seeing blood in wrestling. Uh, uh, per se, I'm, I'm not against blood in wrestling. I, um, I, think that, I think that blood added a lot to this match. And yeah. I think had it just been like a regular, like just regular sort of blood, would have been okay. But the way that like there was just there was just too much. It was like it was an accident, and then there was too much blood, and it just made it uncomfortable. Otherwise, I think it would have made what was a great match even better. But I think mm. that it's just too much. Yeah, and, and but, the chair shots again. That being, sorry to interrupt, but with that being said, like would we would it be as memorable without like the ridiculous amount of blood? Well, this is the thing. It's we're here talking about this now, seventeen mm-hmm. years later. Yeah. My daughter watched it for the first time, seventeen years after the fact. Uh, this was obviously had an impact because we're still talking about it. She was yeah. uh, taken aback by it and vi- visibly um, reacting to what she was seeing on the screen. So, yeah, I, I think even though it is too much, and looking back in hindsight, with your twenty twenty one and so on. It is too much. The chair shots are uncomfortable. The blood is is too much. If that wasn't there, we probably wouldn't still be talking about it. Not without the, not without the blood. I mean, if it had, let's say, if it had WrestleMania 13 Stone Cold Steve Austin levels of blood, which was a lot of blood, but not like to the levels that we got with Eddie, I'd say this would have been like pretty well perfect. Mm. Yeah. Because it would have been enough blood to have been dramatic but not so much that you actually felt genuine, like legitimate concern for Eddie Guerrero, who I'm pretty sure wound up in a hospital. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case. Um, and, and that kind of brings us to, to the end of the show, I guess, the end of the pay-per-view. I, I guess it does. It's been, a, it's been quite a long journey, actually. Yeah, but what I've enjoyed. Um, what I've I normally do with... Any guest, as we're reviewing pay-per-views or shows or moments or matches, uh, we give it a sort of an old-school type grading. So A, B, B minus, C, whatever. Um, f- for the show as an overall, um, uh, have you any thoughts there? I mean, as an overall grading, again, like I watched, I watched this back assuming that it was better in my memory than it was. But actually... I really enjoyed it, and I can't find too much wrong with it. So I'd have to give it like an A. Actually, we're not giving it an A plus because of like some of the things that went on, and like you've got to look at it in context of the time. Because yeah, if you're looking at it from 2021 standards, it's probably its rating goes dramatically down just because of the stuff that's done in poor taste. But in terms of like in 2004, I'm giving that one an A. Okay, that, that 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 surprises me that it's that high. Um, well, I really say that good. I say that, but I watched it back and enjoyed it myself. So perhaps it's not that much of a shock. <laughs> um, yeah. there, there's moments on this pay per view that, are, for me, drag it down. Um, uh-huh. 
the Tory Wilson Dawn Marie match, as good sure. as it was for the time, I didn't really enjoy that. Um, no, that's true. The whole Chavo Guerrero Jacqueline match, I could I could quite easily never watch that again and not bat an eyelid. Um, yeah. But on the other side of the coin, I really enjoyed John Cena versus Rene Dupree. Yeah, the Undertaker Booker T was sort of classic Undertaker, and, and it was great to to watch back. And then the main event is so is so dramatic and so iconic with these images that you see. I mean, the match itself only goes just over twenty three minutes. It uh-huh. feels much, 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 much longer, but not in a bad yeah. way. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's overstayed its welcome, but yeah, it still feels like it went longer than it did, which is a testament, yeah. I suppose, to how much I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. When I look at wrestling pay-per-views, I look at some of my favourite events of all time, the likes of WrestleMania 17 and so on. I rate those as an A, A+, etc. It's not going to get to that stand, that that level for me. I probably put this more in the region of a B, B- kind of level. So it's still something I really enjoyed, but it's not stepping into that elite pay-per-view bracket i guess if that makes sense that's fair i guess like for me having just watched i i think i was just taken aback by just how much better than i was expecting it was so maybe Mm. that's like maybe that's skewing my uh my take on it but again i think also i'm just it's just nice to see a wrestling card where everyone seems to know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and i don't and i don't and it's i think it's, it's more than just that it's like because it's an era of wrestling where I feel that wrestling was still done right, and that makes me sound like such a grumpy old man. But I do feel like I do feel like a lot of wrestling is now so overproduced. Yeah. To the point where, like, you can't again. There's nothing organic about it anymore. It's too sanitary, and it also means that there's no like that. They, people talk about the glass ceiling. I feel like the glass ceiling is there, and it's like four sheets thick. And the reason that it's four sheets thick is because, like, if there's someone who will organically like start punching through one pain they'll stick another pain on top because mm-hmm. they don't care how good you are they've got their guys and that's who they're going to go with but yeah again i don't know maybe i'm just a miserable old git oh i don't know i don't know i agree with pretty much everything you've said there so you know that's well maybe that i i, I am a miserable old git so maybe the fact i'm agreeing <laughs> with you it does mean you are as well i don't know but <laughs> maybe uh, Maybe. Maybe. I have had an absolute blast going back and looking at this pay-per-view that, again, barring the the main event, I remembered nothing about before pressing play on. I'm really glad yeah. that you, you, you brought this forward as, as a suggestion for us to watch together. I had a great time discussing it with you. I'd love to have you back on the show again to look at more pay-per-views from this era, other eras, or, or, or anything else in between. Sure, yeah, that'll be great. I mean, maybe next time we'll pick something that I don't like so much, and then we'll have some <laughs> Maybe, so, yeah. maybe. Okay, uh, before I let you go, sir, do you want to just let everyone out there listening know, know whereabouts they can find you online, basically, and, and your potential uh, for looking out on your social media accounts for upcoming appearances, matches, etc.? Well, it's still Joshua Goodwin on Facebook, and that's about it for the minute, because well, there's nothing happening yet, is there? Still talking to folk and, you know, starting to get out places. You'll see me soon, I promise. Excellent and, stuff. And as always, I'll tag you in all, all, all the links and so on when this episode comes out. Um, I don't know if anyone can hear what's happening, but the, the rain has returned. It's absolutely hammering down outside. So I will quickly run through where you can find me and the show. Um, I am at SJP Words on Twitter. 
the show is at SJP Wrestling Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow us on all of those. Interact with the show. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Unless, of course, that part is me because I kind of come hand in hand with the show as we go. Um, <laughs> you can also follow my other show at Chain underscore Wrestling on Twitter and Facebook uh, and Instagram as well. Uh, vote in the polls there to decide where we go next from the links from the previous week's match get involved in our non-wrestling topic as well it's always a good laugh there and also i can't spill the beans quite yet but there is some very very exciting things coming for the sjp wrestling pod chain wrestling etc etc really looking forward to this and bringing you news on this in the next couple of weeks so follow all the social medias keep your eyes peeled on there and uh yeah Again, as always, thank you very much for listening. Joshua Goodwin, thank you very, very much for your time, sir. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, sorry if I went a bit long. No, not at all. Not at all. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again. <laughs>